The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can and Hive. You can also find me at News Nights Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co hosting from the Borough of Kings. Where you from? Brooklyn going out to all. Here we go. You can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast, podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, of course that Make sure to work. click like, subscribe, and give us all the five-star reviews. Chia. You could also find... Uh, what, 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 oh, nice. I did not know that. Oh, um, I could say that in a second, though. Um, um, you could also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m., uh, on youtube.com slash uh, the click nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure and, to hit like, subscribe, and hit the notification button so that you know when we are on. Yeah. And shout out to um, folks that are joining us live, like Benji Games 2, who apparently is uh, a couple of hours away. Uh, that's what's up, so, which means you either <laughs> you either in North Carolina, Georgia, or you're in, um, <laughs> yep, that's what I thought. You're in, you're uh, just south of Charlotte. So you're in like a rock, uh, rock hillish area. That's what I figured. So, um, thanks for, thanks for being here as always, Benji. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. Shout out to local, local folk also, always. <laughs> like two hours from... local to one of us, at least. Yeah. Lo- yeah. Cause two hours from Columbia is all, is basically out of the state and <laughs> in, in three different directions. So, <laughs> so that can only be, um, 
But at any rate, we are I was going... about to say, technically, I'm two hours away from Columbia University, but that's another story. Yeah, that's a whole different... <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different thing. <laughs> anyway, moving on, folks. Yes. And, and the only people like who know... Two hours only by subway, like, not even two hours by subway. That's a long, you know, that's that's exaggerating things. But anyway, moving on. Right, I was about to say, yeah, and the USC for you is probably U- University of South- Southern California, because that's where anyone that's not in the state only knows. Right. So, that's all. That's always been a, a funny thing. I think I, I saw uh, Sanford Green, who's local also, at a con, we talked about that, it was pretty funny. Um, anywho's, we are going to um, start off. We don't have any, um, any, any, um, any, 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 any Marvel shows or or Star Trek show, Star Wars shows. There are Star Trek shows, right. but that wouldn't, you know. Yeah, there's nothing in the media right now that we're following, unless you know, like we're not keeping up with like the new Willow show. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Have you ever watched the first Willow? Uh, the like, movie, yeah, what? way back when it first came out. Yes, I did watch the movie. Um, and it was on Disney Plus. I watched it until recently. Right, right. Because I had seen, I had seen that the, 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 they were doing uh, sequel shows. I was like, you know what, let me watch this. I'm like, oh, all right. I've thought about actually watching the movie again because I was like, how does this hold up in relation to what they're doing with the show? <laughs> <laughs> so I might actually do that. Um, and look at that. We ended up talking pop culture stuff either way, even though we said we weren't going Exactly. To. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it was just, you know, it was just kind of off the dome, like, you know, what's out there right now, because we've hit this and it's going to come up in, in the news. We've hit this. I guess the best way to put it is a lull between Marvel releases and between, you know, a lot of the pop culture stuff and genre stuff that we're used to co- covering and talking about here on the show. So... You know we're 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 about to be neck deep in the holidays. Wait, we never talked about. Did we talk last week about the Guardians special? You did not. talked about it a little bit, saying you, you said that you watched it, and actually I did end up watching it. Um, okay. So I, but um, but yeah, last week you mentioned it because you had watched it, and I hadn't. I had not at the time. Right, right, right. Do you have any thoughts on it? Um, I mean, I, it was cute. I'm it presuming was, I, you watched it, so I yeah. did watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did watch it, and um, so yeah, I liked it. It was, it was interesting. There was they, they took a liberty that I wasn't expecting, um, or that I don't remember. I guess I should say, which I still don't want to. You know, I mean, granted, it's probably been out long enough to where you could, but I'm like, just like, yeah, they took some liberty, but they definitely tried to get the feel of old like holiday, holiday specials of the like in the, um 80s the 70s and 80s 70s so, and 80s even mm-hmm. the 60s yeah so i i do appreciate that um i was kind of expecting something to happen but it didn't but i guess you know that i guess it makes sense one way or the other as to they'll they'll uh, when they get into guardians 3 uh, right well, we'll talk well, about that yes indeed because uh, a certain trailer dropped today uh, as the result of uh, a comic con that has become very popular with dropping you know like major trailers and tidbits that's actually you know a trend now that brazil con is like you know like uh, you know it seems to be like a very big uh, uh 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 convention for uh things like this to get dropped right so, so. um so real quick, um, one I have a question for for Benji uh, in the chat, 
And two, to answer your question, uh, he uh, they ask uh, Blade drop a teaser trailer. No, I haven't. We haven't seen anything on a teaser trailer being dropped yet. The fact that no, I think because they no... haven't even started shooting it because well, they just got new directors. Right. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So they're they're yeah. they're still currently working on it. So nothing on that is is that's still kind of up in the air at this point. Um, and I was going to ask Benji, uh, since you are where you are, have you gone to Heroes Con, uh, any, cause there's probably a good chance that I've actually seen you there and, and don't even know it. But while you answered that, we can just kind of get on with the get on. Um, I was going to add very quickly, non-spoilery. What's that? What's that? I thought, I figured, you know, I thought of, uh, 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 some of your criticisms of the characterization of Mantis Yes, up until now. Oh. And it was very nice that Mantis basically took center stage along with Drax in this holiday special. And it was, if you were not familiar with the comic book version of the character, you would think that some of the uh, skills that she puts on display in the special are a little bit out of left field and seem unnatural. But if you are familiar with the character at all, you know she's one of the baddest MFers out there when it comes to the martial arts. And when she's basically, you know, taking down people with non-lethal moves expertly, quickly, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that that, I, I, I smiled at that. I was like, oh... People who were very critical of Mantis's portrayal in um, Guardians Two and and Infinity War and and um, Endgame should be a little happy now. I so th- having you saying that, I'm still slightly critical about it. I yes, well, that was that was right. definitely it's different. right, right. Yeah, like yes, that was good, but they still kind of have her kind of. They actually kind of made her a little more shrill. <laughs> Well, she's. I was. I, what I was going to say is she's. She's. She's goofy, but she's going to be the one that takes Drax to task. And let me say, uh, you know, it's nice to see her. You know, front and center. Palm Clementiev is incredibly beautiful. Yeah. 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 Yes. So you know that's something that it's a shame that they're hiding it under makeup, but that's what happens to actors <laughs> of color. Yeah, more times than not. Um, yeah, I like I like the actress, and I, and I like they're they're starting to make her a little bit more more badass. But it's like, man, classic version of 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 Mantis. It, even in the um, you know the Abnett Landing reboot, you know of the Guardians, she was still pretty badass. So right. with uh, you know after or during yeah. uh, Annihilation and all that, so I was like, man, they could they could put a little bit more. They don't have I to mean, make everything. You know, crazy. there's so much. Yeah, there's so much that they had to cram into that movie it's like they never touched on Drax you know like the real OG origin yeah they weren't going to do that yeah, yeah. so <laughs> you know I, I, I completely understood and and uh, we'll talk more about Guardians 3 but you know in any event you know we'll, we'll move on from the holiday special uh, and just say that I, I recommend watching it I think it was a lot of fun Yeah, um, it definitely fits the season and it has uh, you know light notes I don't know if it's as laugh out loud funny as they as people think it might be you know because the last time i really laughed out loud at a guardians movie was the first movie the first movie had me rolling right because the second one is pretty much them doing that over again and i'm not and dealing with daddy issues there's that also yeah um and yeah speaking of that that was that whole thing right there which i won't get into is like that's like when did they like i i remember it too 
enough to be like, okay, I know that was a thing, but I don't remember that one part being, you know, connected. Well, I think what it is they just confirmed it because at the end of the day, I think it was hint like it was implied. Right. That's the way I read it. You know, when I that's the way that's what I read into it when I watched. It, I was like, oh, I have I'm not going to go back and watch Guardians two just to confirm that, but I think right. it's heavily implied. And so they just basically said it out loud and made it explicit as opposed as opposed to implicit. Yeah, I suppose. Like I said, I just don't remember the the implicit stuff. So, but that's right. neither here nor there at this point. And yeah, you're right. I'm kind of. Probably before three comes out, I might revisit all of them for giggles, but who knows? Sure. At any rate, um, one last thing I would talk about. Uh, Benji answers and says that um, they have not, but will be going to the next one with his, with their buddy. He says it's a good time. Yes, Heroes Con is a good time. Um, I haven't been in a couple of years, but I hope to go back uh, soon ish. Yeah, I mean, with the pandemic, it's you yeah. know it's it's been difficult. I mean, you know, and we've talked about you know. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, anyone in the audience has been uh, listening or watching when I talk about New York Comic Con. Cons are still very much a work in progress. You know, we are not yet at pre-pandemic uh, activity levels at the cons, but we're getting a lot closer. So hopefully next year, you know, things will be not quite completely normal, but close to it. Right. At least better than that it has been. Right. Uh, that being said, though, we're going to get into some books, folks. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous books. And we are going to start off with... Oh, this thing is going to mess with me real quick. Uh, we're going to start off with, as I try to change some things in OBS, lovingly, Star Trek number two. Star Trek number two is published by IDW. It's written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, former guests of the Comic Book Chronicles, with art by Oleg Chudakov. Colors are by Lee Luffridge, and letters are by Clayton Cowles. Uh, freelancing this time. So this is the uh, the follow-up to a very good first issue in which uh, the writers, uh, Kelly and Lansing, uh, found a way to meld pretty much all of the generations of Star Trek into one crew, conveniently using a particular point in time when all of these characters would still be active in and around Starfleet. And the story centers upon uh, Captain Benjamin Sisko and one of the weirder subplots and stories from Deep Space Nine and, and, and centers around how that show ended. And by bringing the character back, you know, really delves into some of that stuff and into some of the more let's, uh, if this is my point of view as a, as not the biggest Star Trek person and Roddy Cat's going to expound upon this, upon this. You know, this is some of the more esoteric Star Trek concepts. So I will let Roddy Cat go from here with that. I will just add that they do tie it into something that I, that was heretofore unknown to me, that there is like a, a super secret group of Klingon scientists somewhere in deep space doing some funky stuff. 
So I'm yes. sure that was a new thing. If it's not, it's new. It's new to me. It's so I'll let Roddy Cat take it from here. It's actually not. It's a um. It's um. It's an old TNG episode, actually. Um, matter of fact, later season, uh, like season six, around around about that. Uh, yeah. So, as I say in my notes, uh, apparently Cobra was not the only ones that were dealing in um, cloning, and I had totally forgot about this because um, I had to kind of go back and do some research, uh, or not research, but I had to kind of go had to go look up a certain character. I was like. I remember that being a thing, but I thought that character was no longer around anymore. But it was like, no, apparently they 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 they're still around. Um, so yeah, so the 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 crux of this issue is um, uh, Cisco and crew end up uh, going into Klingon territory, and of course, when you think about uh, notable Klingons of the Star Trek universe, you know there's one TNG slash uh, uh, Deep Space Nine. Uh, one of familiar familiar note that will always come up, and of course they do. Um, and there's some nice touching moments, uh, so or kind of sort of touching moments between Cisco and a couple of members of the of of the crew, including uh, I'll just go ahead and say it, Worf, because you know who if you know your Star Trek, you know Worf. <laughs> if you know TNG is uh, TNG and or uh, Deep Space Nine anyway, so. But uh, but but they go into Klingon territory to get some information and a favor. To which, of course, in true Star Trek, um, um, in true, true Star Trek fashion, things don't go the way they want them to, but they still do it anyway. <laughs> so, the, which uh, ends them almost causing incidents in space and on on the away team that kind of go a certain way. Um, Again, in true Star Trek fashion, I I, I do like that uh, um, Kelly and Lansing. I, I feel like they kind of have their false pulse on the um, the tone of so, uh, a lot of these characters uh, in, in this in this book. Like I feel like they probably if you know not the quiz them on it, but I'm, I'm sure they they are amongst folks that have watched a good bit of uh, um, Star Trek. It's particularly probably like TNG era because of, of some of the stuff that they're talking about in this book is it, from that. So, or that at least that is coming up, uh, is coming right up with not to give too much of the, the plot away because it's like, yeah, Cisco's back um, because of basically some God killing thing going, growing around. Um, and they're trying to hunt it down and he's got a crew mixed, uh, mixed up with, uh, different eras of, um, Star Trek folk. Right. That's what I said. And right. when I meant what, what I really, uh, what I really, you know, wanted to emphasize with the whole was the, the, the esoteric part of the story, mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, uh, dealing with things like, uh, you know, so the, the Star Trek people will understand. When you say something like crystalline entity, right? You know, well, I didn't want that to just go into them, right? right? I didn't want to just go into like just the, the whole minutia of, of, of things that that have happened. Right. I, think I probably did talk about say, that. I'll throw. I was gonna say I'll throw. I'll throw you in in with them and and refer to 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 uh, the Star Trek people <laughs> as y'all, and, <laughs> but, yeah. and just say that you know, uh, 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 I appreciate that this is filled with lots of fun character moments, as you said. Um, you know, it seems like uh, uh, Lansing and Kelly have a really 
you know, good grasp of the characters. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree with that point. Yeah, because you can almost you can almost hear their voice, or maybe that's just probably the Star Trek person in me. Just hear their voice, you know, coming out of what they're saying in here. Um, so that's always a good thing when you when you're, when you're uh, in a medium such as this, <laughs> especially with characters that are licensed. You know, if you're able to hear their voices. Uh, then yeah, that's a pretty good thing. Uh, but yeah, I I'm. St- continuing to enjoy this book um you know obviously the, the star trek nerd in me just just well probably less of a nerd but um there, there are way there are people way more <laughs> into star trek than i am even though i've watched a good bit of it um but but i, I can safely say i have my moments and i've been enjoying this and i i hopefully it stays like this you know because this is supposed to be new ongoing and i know this is the first arc and um don't know how long this arc is going to be um, and where they're going to go after that, but, you know, enjoying the ride so far. Basically. Did the art team change? Did the artist change between issues one and two? I don't, but be- I would have to go back and look, but I don't believe so. Okay, I was just asking. Yeah. Was there something noticeable? Or you just... I mean, I did not, I, I didn't go back to the first issue. That's the right. thing. So I thought right. maybe you knew offhand whether or no. not, like... That issues first art the, the 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 first issues artist maybe like is um, alternating with somebody. Gotcha. Uh, no, because I believe, and um, if I'm not mistaken, it's been coming out monthly, so it's not. I don't uh, unless there was some reason why that would happen. Then just to make sure that you know, just to make sure that it's divided up. That's all. Just so that it you know hits the deadlines and gets released on time. Yeah, I know, but I mean, if it's a, you know normally on a monthly book, you, you don't. I don't know if you. You don't release that. it until you get a couple in the can, yeah. Right. So actually, I'm going back and checking. Doesn't look like. Uh, eh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Pardon me, folks. Because now you got me kind of curious. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm just like I wasn't going to look back, so I'm sorry, folks. No, no, it was fine because. Oh yeah, apparently it is. Uh, it was uh, Ramon Rosanas on the first book, and it's um, um, Oleg Chudikov on the on this book. All right, so we'll issue. see how how the art is handled going forward. I just remember the first issue being a little sharper mm-hmm. in, in 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 the detail and the likenesses. So I was a little bit taken aback by the 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 smoother, you know, like the the less precise likenesses and the less precise art that mm-hmm. seemed to be in this book. So, you know, and I'm familiar with Ramon Rosanas' work, you know, from from his Marvel and probably his DC stuff, too, I think. So, um, you know, ultimately, it'll be interesting to see how the series decides to move forward with its art team. But obviously, Kelly and Lansing are the writers, at least on this book. Right. So. All right. Next. Anything else before we move on? No, I'm thinking if you're if you like Star Trek and and you have watched enough uh, later Trek, I think you will enjoy this. Or if you've watched enough Trek in general, you you uh, I think you will enjoy this book. All righty, so President Bartlett, what's much next? So how about we hit the two strange books this week? Because I yes. think that is where. The most of our remaining books in common are. All right. So, Strange Number Eight. Sure. 
So Strange Number 8 is written by Jen McKay with uh, art by Stefano Landini. There are There is um, t- a bit of a time shift because there is a, a, a major flashback portion of the story. So the present-day pencils are drawn by Marcelo Ferreira, and the present-day inks are by Robert, Roberto Poggi. Colors are by Hava Tartaglia, and letters are by VCs Corey Petit. So, yeah, this is the big um, kind of retcon to explain who the Blasphemy Cartel is and are, you know, who the members are. And I really appreciated that this was very well told uh, and, and really helped this retcon land on two feet and put this group of, you know, like kind of semi-known characters like wand like this division of shield into uh focus and putting them into a proper setting that puts them right like right you know in the midst of but you know un un unknown to us unbeknownst to us they were like affected by you know like secret empire events you know that's really one of the big ones right yeah, they they I, I enjoyed this issue. Uh, they really did because um, there was the, the one thing we did not know, uh, and now we do because of this issue was that whole thing that Agent Seventy just mentioned, and you know sometimes when you try to kind of um, I don't want to say shoehorn events, but we kind of try to place events within other events and uh, just to introduce new things sometimes it doesn't go quite well like this one makes as about as much sense as it was going to but and and it fit just about as well as it was going to at that so i was like okay make yeah i i i i'm all right with this i'm fine with this you know so because it was um i don't know there, there was part of me that kind of was like okay there there could have been a touch bit of MCU vacation going on here in a, in a, in a kind of a sense, but not really. Cause I mean, obviously there was no, there haven't been in, uh, magic stuff is kind of more recent in the MCU, you know, even though our, the Dr. Strange movie, you know, was as long as it was, but the, the focus on it has been a little mm-hmm. bit more recent than that. So, uh, and that was long since S.H.I.E.L.D. fell in the MCU. So, you know, something like that uh, would fit there and or here, you know, because of Secret uh, uh, secret Empire. Secret, not Secret Empire. Um, secret Invasion, excuse me. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I got kind of tickled because there was an ex- explanation at the beginning of the book about a certain thing. Um that made me think about the the golden child. I don't know if you caught that or not. Oh, about the spinning things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want the knife. Mm-hmm. Please. So, <laughs> so I was like, wait, they're explaining that they're explaining, and then it just immediately took me back to the, to that scene. So I was like, okay, even though there was no reference to that in here, which you know would have been slightly out of place, but still. Um, the the uh, explanation of that and going into um, why crypto and the blockchain are bad 
<laughs> just as as silly as that sounds, just kind of makes so much sense when you, when you you know when you put it. Together and and what it is did. is that it's unfortunately very uh, you know like coincidentally timed mm-hmm. with some mm-hmm. some 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 major happenings in the cryptocurrency world. Right. Uh, I will also add that um, retroactive continuity, when done well, just makes you nod and say oh okay yeah exactly right and that's what i that was my experience here yeah you know we've had our ups and downs with retroactive continuity as um uh, you know we've been doing this show long enough we've been reading comics you know for most of our lives now and we've seen things come and go and you know stories get shoehorned in to make things fit so when it's done well you can't help but just admire it and applaud it and say, all right, I get it, you know, and, and there are little uh, touches here that this is, you know, the, the Bravo Charlie group. I like that. I was like, oh, okay. Right. And then, you oh. know, folding that into what they end up becoming. Was right. like, all right. Way to go, Jed. <laughs> you, you, you done did it again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Also, like, oh, good job. I get it. You know. Yeah. 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 That was that was pretty fun. Uh, also, there is a certain actually, and this is the other part where I say mentioned the MCU vacation, even though this is also something from the comics. There is a certain spell from a certain Spider-Man movie that was also originally from a certain uh, Spider-Man uh, uh, comic arc that some would argue is. Um, groan inducing i know some people <laughs> some some folks don't don't care for that particular arc but there was a particular spell that's uh that uh, that is also talked about here um right. that is that is involved in all of that i'm like okay sure you know what i i'm 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 good with that here this that works out that makes a sense gotcha it, it makes a whole lot of sense and like like uh agent 77 with the retro, uh, retroactive um uh, continuity exactly so it's good yeah uh yeah old-fashioned retcon folks yeah pretty much but basically as i called it in my notes one this is a particular click of the week for me uh two is also the, the basically the info dub issue <laughs> yeah i mean at the end of the day you know we are eight issues in and while not every issue has dealt with the blasphemy cartel they've proved to be a consistent uh background slash nemesis background character and nemesis for clea strange right. uh, you know in her new role as sorcerer supreme of, of the earth dimension of this dimension and uh ultimately if they were going to take up an entire issue to do it, I think they did it well. Oh yeah, in this, you know, using this one issue, Indeed. because it wasn't strung out. It wasn't you know a little bit here, a little bit there. It's like all right, here you go, boom. Here's the whole thing. We can go jump right into the action right after because now right. we now we understand why they are so capable and so organized. Literally, right, right. Now the only thing you some would possibly argue against like after coming out of that last issue we got a reunion that doesn't get too far addressed here but i mean they did some they did kind of did some legwork coming out of that last issue so it's it's irrelevant but they're going to end up coming back too because the um because the 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 revelation and the uh the reunion of a couple of characters um 
Yeah, this, it's coming out of this is going to have to be addressed some kind of way because of especially what they set up with the uh, last issue. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a potential click of the week for me as well. If I didn't mention that already. Right. Cool. But then I guess if that's it, we can go on to the next one, which is. Uh, yes. Moving on to the other strange book. No pun intended. <laughs> Although it is. But <laughs> right, that's what it is. It's what it is. So, Strange Academy Finals number two is written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos. <laughs> Colors are by Edgar Delgado and letters are by VCs Clayton Cowles. I will let Roddy Cat take the, uh, the, the primary uh, commentary on this book, but I will say that it took me a, just a, a, like a couple of seconds to remember what happened at the end of the previous issue because it's kind of like an abrupt shift. It's like, all right. You know, it's uh, we're, we're uh, getting the band back together. Uh, you know, and uh, it's it that's it's kind of that uh, type of opening part of the that the story opens like that. Right. So, just like you, Agent Seventy, I also it was like, wait, this is kind of abrupt. And I actually went back to the last issue and was like, wait, I don't remember it just being this clean coming out of what happened that after that and it wasn't so I was like you're right it is kind of an abrupt shift but yeah um so after so basically um the students of uh, strange academy were divided be- because of a situation that gets uh that initially gets readdressed in, in this issue i guess uh in a way but still there's some more to it that they have to kind of um hash out because even coming out of that last issue it was like well there was some couple of proclamations there was a proclamation said near the end of the book that you would think they're going to address more immediately than what started this whole thing um, right. or what supposedly started this whole thing but no so that being said because of the students uh, being divided um, uh, s- some left off with uh, Emily and some stayed with Doyle at school, but now some of those uh, students who wanted to go back to the school, including Zoe Laveau, um, uh, are back at the school now after being basically ousted from the dark dimension uh, through a increasingly more um, aggroed uh, Emily last issue <laughs> so this is them basically getting back to the school and you know after a nice little touching reunion they end up having to um clean up the place because they wrecked it so and that's the, the, that's basically the crux of this issue is them kind of cleaning up and then well that's half of the issue and then like i said the other half is kind of going back into the initial cause uh or finding the initial cause huh Oh, we got another one. Yay. Okay. I didn't think that that can even come out this week. I thought that was last week. But anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, we'll get to it. But yeah, like I said, starts off with them kind of cleaning up and then it's like, well, the initial reason why this whole schism got started was because of one student who got kicked out. And that students basically out there slinging wish dope. Um, <laughs> for some for some dude or was until he messed up. So the um, everybody who is back at the school now went after him in this issue. Right. Um, I like. I honestly like the the 
the creativity that Scotty Young had in naming this particular villain hmm. by calling him Gaslamp. Right, which I believe is from kind of from well, it's, well, what I was gonna say is at the end of the day, what what it, you know, it's at least you know, it, it harkens back to you know the original meaning of gas lighting. That also right, mm-hmm. you know, which has become such a prevalent term in in uh, recent history. So right, you know, it was always kind of prevalent, but you know, it was always kind of. Um, uh, uh, let's just say it's been more become more mainstream. It's always been available and around, right? Uh, but I want to say that the 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 character is also from some lore from that era, or from that area. And I think that might. So I don't know if you've ever seen Princess and the Frog. Uh, the, the Disney I have movie. not. Yeah. yeah, that's well after that's that that's well after I stopped watching any Disney. You know, like if it wasn't like a, a, one of the Pixar movies that I was following, I wasn't watching any of the Disney releases. Right. So basically, I think is a kind of an amped up version of uh, of the character of a, a similar character from that um, movie, which is also based off of some lore from like that area, if I'm not mistaken. New Orleans. Yes. Yep. Um, who was played by Keith, Keith David, by the way. But um, I'd have to, because I remember, I've, I feel like I remember reading something about that uh, with this. So I may, may be slightly off, but I, I, there was some, something similar to it. But regardless, we don't have to go too far into that. Um, because, yeah, the, um, uh, uh, the kids basically go after this dude and go after, go after their missing friend and, interestingly planned planned out you know for for some kids <laughs> like they they, they kind of had some things figured out up until you know what happens at the end um which some would say is a nice big uh cliffhanger even though like you know this this is only the second issue but still you know it, it, oh, you gotta, a, well, coming back for more man indeed indeed so, which, you know, for, I can safely say for us, wouldn't have been that big of a problem. Right. Um, well, we've been keeping up with Strange Academy since Jump. So, yes. you know, it's it's interesting to see if they come back for another year, quote unquote, a school year of stories, or if they end it here with the finals series. Right. right, which we haven't seen any word of that, and we probably won't up until, you know... Yeah, close to the end, probably. Exactly. So I, I would love to see more Strange Academy. Not to, you know, uh, but if it's if they're gonna if this is all what Scott, Scott Young and crew uh, plans to do, then yeah, we'll we'll take what we can get. Uh, but we still got this right now, so we're gonna enjoy it for what it is. Um, yep. And with that, we can go on to another book. Uh, the only other book that we have in common is Captain America: Symbol of Truth, number seven. Sure. So that is the last book that we have in common. And after that, we will be going into rapid fire, covering the books that we have uh, each read. So Captain America, Symbol of Truth number seven is written by Tochi Onyabuchi with art by Ig Guara. Letters, uh, well, colors by Jesus Abertov. Again, this is one of those books that has the color artist listed after the letterer. Don't know why. Colors are by Jesus Abertov. And letters are by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. So, you know, coming off of the events of the previous issue, 
which had uh, 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 a very, let's say, I don't want to reuse the word esoteric, but let's just say a rarely used country in the Marvel Universe basically reappeared because of its proximity to Wakanda and became a part of the story. And ultimately, uh, 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 Onyabuchi uh, wove the, you know, some events that, that are relatively, you know, some, some, some of the, some current style events into the story. And, um, you know, we're following two, uh, parallel story paths, one with the Falcon and one, of course, with Captain America, Steve Rogers, not Steve Rogers, uh, uh, Sam Wilson. But what I was thinking of is that, um, the character that is reintroduced in this issue as a potential partner slash sidekick to Sam Wilson is connected to Steve Rogers. Yes. And we have not seen this character in a long time. And I'll hand it off to Roddy Cad from here. So I thank this book for um, reminding folks of this character. Because while I remember part of what happened to this character, I don't remember what happened to him uh, at the end of it. And they, luckily there was a footnote to something I actually did read. But I don't remember this character being involved with that. <laughs> I don't remember half of that. Right, because I remember the character, you know, uh, uh, what happened after the because this character and this is a big hint, um, you know, this is a, a character that was introduced during the Remender run, with the whole Dimension Z stuff, mm-hmm. the Dimension Zola stuff, and so ultimately, I've blocked a lot of that stuff out in my memory. And I don't remember, you know, I kind of remember this whole thing because the character did apparently interact with, um, you know, later on with some other characters. I'm like, I don't remember that, but okay. Right. Same. So it was like, yeah, and that one foot, footnote, I was like, wait, I vaguely even remember that miniseries, much less what happened in it. So it was like, okay, so something happened to this character there? Okay. If you say so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but hey, good on uh, the Tochi Onibushi Bucci for, um, for for pulling that out. It's not necessarily a deep cut, but it, it might as well be. <laughs> right, right. You know, like if you're not like a, a a loyal Captain America reader, and I would consider myself a semi-loyal Captain America reader, especially of more recent vintage. Um, you know, like I, I read a lot of the Grunwald stuff, but not all of it. And, you know, going back before that to like the early, you know, the, the late, uh, let's say the later Kirby stuff and the burn stuff. I'm not that familiar with that, but the, you know, like, you know, everything from Brubaker forward, I'm more familiar with. I was mostly collecting that stuff, you know, like kind of month to month, but the remainder stuff I'd kind of blocked out. I'll be honest. So, you know, having this character, you know, show, uh, uh, show face again is kind of like, well, I wonder what he's gonna what, what Onyabuchi decides to do with this, right? Um, so yeah, um, we get the introduction, we get the introduction of a new character in here for how long this character is going to be here, we don't know. Um, <clears throat> um, we get a hint that apparently Bucky's been keeping more secrets than, than, uh, Steve and Sam knew about, which I'm assuming they're going to touch back on that when they get to this whole event thing. 
because I'm not sure why they would even bring that up now. Well, I mean, I guess there's it doesn't. I mean, it, it, as far as where this story is going, this probably would be the reason why uh, it may not come up there. But um, nevertheless, we have uh, Sam and uh, the new the new Nomad, the latest iteration of Nomad. Let's just say. Mm. Um, uh, on mission, which here was the part of, of this story that kind of slightly bugged me a little bit. Um, in the beginning of the story, Sam kind of makes this big comp- uh, uh, proclamation like, hey, I'm Captain America. Some things happen. I'm going to make sure, it, you know, it, it gets dealt with. And I'm sitting here like, as soon as you said your name was Captain America, you should have you should have backed off of what you said. But then again, we know that Captain America is no stranger than to mixing in international affairs, you know. But I'm sitting here like, as soon as you said that, the way you said that, like you should have been like, oh wait, I'm Captain America, not Captain International or whatever. I guess that be. So that part was like, okay, you, did you not hear yourself? <laughs> and anytime you said this whole thing you just said, but you, you got to further the story, so you kind of got to let that go. But it was just funny. To, it was just funny to me to uh, when he said that. So, um, so yeah, they go on mission and kind of has some sort of uh, success with it, too, or at least they're in, in the midst of. But then we cut to um, the Falcon, Joaquin. Uh, uh, I can't remember his last name. Back at the odd, uh, back at the hospital where he's recuperating, and apparently you know you wanted to say Phoenix, but anyway, I, I, you, I, I yes, I did actually. <laughs> I almost wanted to say it. I did. I very much did. Um, but um, I think it's is it. It's not Torres, is it? I think it's Torres. But regardless, um, oh, you go on. Yeah, uh, the new Falcon's kind of laid up in the hospital because he got hurt last issue, but apparently. And this is another part of a, a thing that I totally forgot about because so the new Falcon got his it is his Taurus. Powers, it is Taurus. Okay, I knew, figured. Um, got his powers partially from Red Wing, uh, Sam's Sam's bird, who had been turned into a va- basically turned into a vampire or something. I don't remember. That whole thing is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and apparently a part of that uh, has come out. Uh, at the end of this issue, yeah, and I'm sitting here like, groaned. really? Like, why? I groaned. I'm yeah. sorry, I groaned. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, I don't know what this has to do with the rest of what's going on here, but I'm like, I guess you got to do something with that character. But why bring that back up? <laughs> I groaned, yo. and I don't even think Red Wing is still uh, afflicted with whatever that was. I don't even know, but it's like, okay, sure, here we are. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. I was about to say maybe that was that was that was worth it. I don't know, <laughs> but that is that is Captain America's truth. I assume that last part is is going to go somewhere, maybe even um, uh, fold into the bigger story with Sam, and maybe this whole event that's coming up. I doubt that kind of seriously, but. With whatever's going on, I, I'm hoping it comes up f- for the writer's sake. I'm hoping it comes up to something good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that you know, at at at, at 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 the point where these two stories intersect, they'll you know eventually part ways and continue, you know, on their own merry way. And this Falcon, you know, um, uh, plotline is going to, you know, kind of linger, you know, the whole 
you know, seeming hungry slash vampire. Yeah, I was like, oh, really? Which you is know? funny. Yeah, not the first time, not the first vampiric thing I read this week, but. Right. So, you know, I, well, it wasn't for myself. It was the second one. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. It'll just be a subplot that decides to, you know, kind of linger in the background, I think, during yeah. this whole Cold War thing. And then once the Cold War stuff ends and the Berlin Wall falls, then uh, you'll get more of the whole Joaquin may or may not be a vampiric, a vampiric uh, falcon. Right. Which I know Marvel has been doing some things with uh, vampires here and there in a few different books. So I don't know if they're starting to like groom another event. Um, or this is like, no, nah, we just got this in the background. I'm just going to kind of keep this lingering because, hey, they're here, you know? Because we've seen right. it in Moonlight. We've seen it here. Kind of sort of seen it in Spidey, but that doesn't, I, I can't say I count that that much. But, um, uh, and, and another book that I've talked to, I'm talking about this week, uh, Vampires Kind of Come Up. So it's like, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there, but I'm sure we'll figure out that something will happen sometime soon. Uh, and with that, I think we're, we're, we're done with uh, Sam Cap, and we can go on to Rapid Fire. Yeah, I think so. So let me spin the minigun up. I ain't got time to bleed. All right, we are in rapid fire mode now, folks. First up for me is Nightwing 2022 Annual Number One. This is published, of course, by DC. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Eduardo Eduardo Pansica, with inks by Julio Ferreira and colors by Adriano Lucas. And I neglected to put down who the letterer is. And while I talk about this, I'm going to take a look at who the letterer is. Oh, it's Wes Abbott. Wes Abbott is the letterer. So I'm referring specifically to the main story. There are two backup stories in this book, but the main story is going to be the reason why, if you've been keeping up with Nightwing at all, you want to read this issue of night. uh, You want to read this annual. And I feel that um, they've done, you know, publishers, you know, the, the, the big two publishers, at least, because those are the only those are the only um, publishers that still put out annuals on a you know on an irregular basis, let's say. And I've always struggled with the value, you know the you know the the you know, the cost you know you know the 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 cost benefit analysis of buying an annual. Sometimes there is a self-contained crossover in them. You know, looking at you, Evolutionary War and uh, Atlantis Attacks. But sometimes there are really substantive things that happen in the annual that tie into the regular run of the book. And that's it becomes more likely when the book's main writer also is helming the story being told, the main story being told in the annual. That's the case here. So what we get in the first main story uh, of this annual is basically the origin of the new Heartless character. So if you are interested in the origin of Heartless and how it is kind of a parallel to both uh, Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne's origin, you may want to take a look at this book. 
So um, I enjoyed it. It was good. The two backup stories are are fun. You know, one of them is about um, uh, Haley, the Batwing dog. You know, Dick Grayson's dog, uh, basically having a daydream. And the other one is about uh, uh, Nightwing putting um, Jonathan Kent, the, uh, the 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 current Superman who may not be Superman for much longer, uh, through some training paces. Next up is The Streets of Philadelphia, number 25. This book is published by Image. It's written by Rodney Barnes with layouts and uh, inks by Jason Sean Alexander. Pencils, like the finishing pencils, are by Herman Eramuspe, um, that is. Eramuspe. And colors are by Lee Luffridge. Uh, letters are by Marshall Dillon. So we have officially hit what seems to be the home stretch for Philadelphia. The writer and artist, actually, uh, basically both tease that the next five issues are going to be pretty big in the Philadelphia story, basically getting the series through to issue number 30. There's a very big possible loss of a character in this issue and it seems that you know all of the factions that have been you know carefully established over the course of the first 25 issues have all come together in the last several issues and now the big brouhaha let's call it the 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 mcu third act battle is starting with some characters in this issue kind of working in the background to see if something couldn't be worked out uh, to uh, keep things, if not status quo, at least to prevent, um, you know, any sort of loss of status or power as the result of this big battle between the forces of quote-unquote light and the forces of quote-unquote darkness. And, you know, in a world of Philadelphia that has werewolves, vampires, and everything in between, there's a lot of gray. So you're kind of stuck trying to figure out who would be the protagonists, who are the antagonists, and who are just literally just a bunch of anti-heroes. So it's you know there are no clear deline- lines of demarcation. You cannot exactly delineate who you should be rooting for, and that's a lot of fun. Gotcha. Question. Um, Shoot. I thought I heard something about. So you're saying this could be the end of the the book itself, or just this art? Because I thought I saw this rumblings arc. of yeah, okay, that's what I thought. I this thought arc, I saw right, rumblings of new I said art they're mapping it out for the next five issues, taking right. it to issue thirty. Okay, right, right, right. Because um, yeah, because I was like, so I know I thought I saw something maybe between Rodney Barnes or somebody else that was talking about some yeah, um, a new art coming or something. So that's good, right? Because I know you've been right, this enjoying this first book. issue, right? This is the first issue in what might be. Right. This is just my pure conjecture. I'm guessing here, but gotcha. that's what it seems to be. Although, you know, depending on whether or not they want to keep telling stories, they could keep very well keep going on. Gotcha. Okay. All righty. Next up is Avengers Assemble Alpha number one. This is something that Roddy Cat was reading, did not finish. So he will not appreciate it if I decide to spoil this too much. So I'm not going to. It's written by Jason Aaron with pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by Andre Curry. Colors by Alex Sinclair and letters by VCs Corey Petit. I will say that this is the first big slobber knocker that uh, Aaron puts into the story uh, that 
uh, has been, you know, build, been built up to by both the Avengers main title and the Avengers forever sister title. And so if you are not caught up, I would not recommend reading this without being caught up, but I think that you could conceivably just say, all right, this group is one group. This group is another. We figure out where they all sort of come from. It's not necessary to get all of the nitty gritty backstory. So that's Roddy Cat asked me that before we started. And that would be my answer. It's like, it's not, I would recommend it, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Right, because like we were talking about, and I think you just mentioned it, about the, this is coming off of the whole, what what's going on in the Avengers book, plus what's going on the, more specifically in the Avengers Forever book, which I think right. just wrapped up. So, Right, well, it's uh, the next issue of Avengers Forever is the next part of this three-part oh, okay. cross. Gotcha, okay. Um, right, so I, basically, uh, issue number 11 of Avengers Forever was the penultimate issue of that book, and I think it's going all the way to issue number 12, and that's the next part of the story. Okay. I do like this J. Scott Campbell um, cover that I, that I have up for folks watching the video version. Yeah, it's a remix of Avengers number four. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Alrighty, next up is Planet Hulk, World Breaker number one of five. This is written by the original Planet Hulk scribe for Marvel. That is Greg Pak. Pencils are by Manuel Garcia. Inks are by Cam Smith. Colors are by Chris Sotomayor. And letters are by our favorite lettering Python, VC's Joe Caramagna. I would invite Roddy Cat to read this, but he's also unfamiliar with all of the Planet Hulk stuff that was published before. He knows a lot of the basic stuff. A lot of the ground that Planet Hulk covers was you know, glossed over in Thor Ragnarok. Well, right? a little bit of that too. And also some bits from, um, the original, the, for what came after the original, uh, event, uh, World War Hulk, uh, some of that, cause there was some stuff I was reading at the time during that right. to kind of blend it in. Right, right, right. You know, you're able to pick up the basics of what happened. Right. And ultimately it's not necessary, but I think it just helps to place things into further deeper context. So, I have been, I have not been shy about having some struggles with the current Kate's run on the Hulk. And it was nice to read like a really well-structured Hulk story, even though we don't necessarily see Bruce Banner or the Hulk in 99% of this first main story. There is a backup story that involves Scar, son of Hulk, which I'll be honest, makes you think that they are MCU-ifying some Scar stuff. Because, you know, let's face it, if you are keeping up with the She-Hulk Disney Plus show, you will kind of recognize it. Yay. Yeah, a little bit. All right. So that is Planet Hulk World Breaker number one. I had a lot of fun reading it, though. It's actually a strong candidate for Click of the Week for me, and that is it for my books. Alrighty then, for myself, we're going to start off with, um, pink. Flawed, number three of six, um, 
It is uh, the creative team of uh, Chuck Brown, art by Prinzi, letters by uh, Car- uh, excuse me, Becca Carey. I believe this is an image book. Yes. Um, so, um, not to rehash the the story so far too much, but basically, there's a psychiatrist uh, slash a vigilante at night named uh, Jim Ez who is the, uh, the the main character of the story. If you're watching the video version, you can uh, see uh, the, the, the character in the, in the, uh, in the, um, on the cover uh, with uh, her antagonist on the inside of, of the silhouette, not a silhouette, but regardless. So she's being chafed after uh, an assassin because of uh, what's been going on. Uh, the, after barely escaping, uh, she kind of seeks. She kind of seeks out some help uh, um, by a family slash member, but also she's kind of uh, going through some things. And on the other side of this, the antagonist of the book, who um, you know, who's basically on a time frame, kind of wants things to get things done because they they. Uh, for them to keep a, uh, being able to do what they're trying to do, they need uh, her out of the picture. So we kind of get a little bit on both sides. We also get a little bit of backstory on the assassin that was sent after Jim um, uh, a bit, who's um, an interesting character in their own right, <laughs> to say the least. But this has been a, a fun read uh, so far. Like I said, it is three of six, so we're kind of turning the, the story uh, turning the, uh, a corner on the story, but um, I've been liking it so far. Also, shout out to Chuck Brown, hometown dude. So, not th- that was not the reason why I bought this book. I, I got, I mean, not bought this book, but it was not the reason why I was reading this uh, book. But hey, <laughs> it's just an addition, let's say. Um, next book for me is Magic the Gathering, uh, Nahiri the Lithomancer number one. This is a one. Sorry. Uh, this is a one-shot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Jesus. What the hell am I clicking on? I have no idea, sir. Uh, Mute! But... Mute! <laughs> I was about to say, there's a, uh, there's a um extension I could uh, uh, send to you if you, if you need it. But anywho, uh, it's written by Shannon McGuire, uh, illustrated by Kath Lobo, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. So the crux of this is like we pretty much meet and um, go through a substantial length of time with this one planeswalker named uh, Nahiri um, who basically can talk to stone. If you know anything about Magic the Gathering, you know that uh, uh, the folks with uh, magic, for the sake of, for for the sake of shortening things, have magic powers, um, uh, uh, that are elemental based. Let's uh, let's say, and this is no different. Um, I know a little bit about math, Magic: The Gathering, and some of the Planeswalkers. This one, I'm not too sure too certain about, but I'm pretty sure this is this is one that's been around for a minute because I know they have introduced a newer one or two in the comics that may or may not have uh, uh, shown up in the card game. But nevertheless, this one in particular, we kind of get uh, uh, we get introduced to, and uh, we see their kind of journey uh, from 
there to kind of hear ish, uh, most say. Um, and I don't know. I'm going to assume that we are getting this introduction because this this uh, this planeswalker is going to kind of fold back into the next arc of the uh, main Magic the Gathering book. But I don't know that for certain. But nine, nine times out of ten, when they do these kind of side stories, that's usually why they're 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 doing that. Um, but it's um it's an interesting and slightly familiar in places book. That's not a detraction. Just just saying it is. Like once you start reading through the stories, like okay, I I get what's going on here, you know, because it's some something it deals with uh, change. And uh, people's, um, and, uh, you know, how people deal with change for the most part. Um, there's also a interesting Star Trek reference that I, that I, um, that I, that I copped in here. I was like, oh, that's something I didn't expect to see in a, in a Magic the Gathering book. Um, so, but well done. Uh, but I, but I enjoyed it and I'm look forward to seeing where this character, um, ends up next because I'm, Fairly certain this character is going to end up in the main book because they wouldn't just do this that I know of. Um, the next book I have is Nubia and the Justice League special number one. Um, it's a one shot um, that is written by, or the script is by Michael W. Conrad and Peggy Clunan. Art by Amon K. Nahulpan. Um, colors by Tambra Bonvillain. And letters by Pat Brousseau. And that's for the first, um, that's for the first main story. And then there's another side story, uh, or I guess an after story, backstory, um, not backstory, but uh, another story that is pretty much taken up after the main story that is written by Stephanie Williams with pencils by Aletha Martinez, inks by Mark Morales, and colors by Alex um, Guamarez, and letters by Becca Carey. So, the crux of this is, uh, and it's pretty fun, it's a potential click of the week for me. It's basically Nubia interacting with, uh, with the Justice League and going into her possibly potentially joining the, the Justice League because uh, we start off with uh, her going out on a mission with a Green Arrow and Black Canary, a very hyped up Black Canary, uh, more so than, I've, than I'm used to seeing her. Um, uh, and then going on to interacting with uh, other members of the, the Justice League and um, if, everyone kind of coming together at the end. So it's, it's pretty good. I believe this is pretty much setting up her joining. Uh, you can safely say it's pretty much setting up her joining the justice league, which I believe has been in solicitations from a while back. So not a surprise. And also taking a tour of, uh, various places in the DC universe, uh, or a couple of in in specifically, uh, you know, a couple of the main ones specifically. So it's pretty fun. You should uh, definitely, if you are, even if you're a fan of Justice League, you're, you're, uh, it's a fun book because, like I said, her interactions with them uh, is kind of amusing, uh, especially, like I said, Black Canary, who's way more hyped up than, I, than I'm used to seeing her in this one, uh, in this book. What do you mean by hyped up? I'm just a little curious. So, I mean, like, she... She was like, uh, "Oh man, did you see what she did here?" And you know that kind of stuff. You know that kind of that kind of hyped up. 
like you know and sh- even saying such thing as yes queen which is like the thing we rarely ever I, I don't recall ever yeah that's a little out of character I exactly so but like I said, it, it's still fun and, and and amusing but um it's like yeah that's not that's that's not normally how how dina or dinah usually kind of kind of is she's a little more serious but you know she also has her playful moments so i can't say this is outside of the realm of her character but it's also that part in particular just a little outside um but it was still fun so i enjoyed it so, uh and and that's all i have to say about that because it's a one shot and it's, it's pretty pretty good i'm going to assume that um after this whole dark crisis thing ends or maybe actually because i still have no idea what's going on there that this is where they're going to um put nubia in the justice league oh yeah that book did come out this week um so yeah next up for me star wars uh darth vader number 29 uh, as i find your lack of faith disturbing there we go uh written by greg park Pac, excuse me, art by Luke Ross, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So, um, after the events of last issue, um, we basically find out that uh, one of Padme's handmaidens has joined uh, Vader on his mission as his first lieutenant. Uh, the other former handmaidens get wind of this thanks to uh, Ochi the Assassin, who's like, I just want her out of here, so I'm going to help you uh, get her away from Vader, because he wants to be the one close to Vader, and he's, you know, that's, that is very clear <laughs> in in his tone here. But, and the, the, hand, the other former handmaidens, who, of course, all look like Padme, so they, um, you know, you can do some things with that. Um, but basically they, there's a, uh, one of them kind of goes with Ochi and they, they, um, try to find out where, where Sabe, who is the handmaiden that is with Vader is. And they also talk about the fact that, yeah, she might be swayed to the, to the dark side, but, um, that may or may not be the case. Uh, Sabe was sent after the grandson of Wat Tambor from the Clone Wars, so that's another Clone Wars tie-in, uh, and that kind of ends up going uh, in an interesting way at, uh, near the end of this book. Um, as to figuring out what's you know what side she's actually whose side she is actually on, which from what I'm reading, her own, but we'll see if that continues to be the case. Um, with whatever's going on with this arc, but yeah, so basically the former handmaid was like, "No, we either got to get her, get her back, or get rid of her because she's she's uh she's uh desecrating Padme's memory." Because apparently they all must know who Vader is, because we know she knows. So uh, it's, whether the rest of them do, I can't, I cannot remember at this point. Um, Peter Parker and Miles Morales double trouble. Number uh, Spider-Man Double Trouble number one. Excuse me, that's a long title. It is written by uh, Mariko Tamaki and Vita Ayala, art by Guri Huri, Guri Hiru, uh, and letters by Corey Petit uh, Pettit. See now you got me doing it. It's Corey Pettit. Um, 
I mean, if you took French, it's petite. Eh, I and I did take French, and I'm still not saying it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there. Uh, nevertheless, I AP French, so it's a little <laughs> bit more ingrained. Uh, sure, 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 sir, sure. Um, but this is a fun all ages book um, where <laughs> so the uh, Peter and this is all the seemingly both younger versions of the character, but still of some sort of an age where apparently Peter is um, rooming with Venom. Um, go figure. And I'm not sure if, if this is coming off of something else that I did not read, but this is the only one I've seen of, of like this. Uh, but um, regardless, so Peter is basically taking Miles to, quote, take your sidekick to work day. Now, obviously... Miles has some um some some um some problems with this because he is not Peter's sidekick and he has made uh Peter known uh, of this not not just in this book but definitely in this book but outside of that um but through the course of this this book also um they get into uh, a wrinkle of trouble because apparently Peter uh has been taking notes from Tony Stark in his storage situation, uh, in current storage situation, if you have been keeping up with Iron Man like we have. So, <laughs> so Peter takes, uh, Peter takes Miles to this, uh, this, uh, hangar where he's got a bunch of, uh, stuff he's studying the, you know, from, uh, he's keeping storage and, uh, and, and storing from villains because as he says, you know, you got to study what the villains throw at you. It's a kind of situation. Again, just like what Tony just did in the current Iron Man series. So it's kind of funny. Uh, and uh, without giving too much of a way, uh, some things there kind of um, cause some issues going up in, into the ends of this uh, issue. So it's fun. I think I might keep up with this. Um, uh, I'm not sure if the Venom thing is going to come back into play, but that was just a f- funny thing that happened at the beginning of this. So, um, yeah, if you if any of that uh, that I've just said uh, is uh, of interest to you, check it out. It's it's pretty fun. Uh, and the last book for me, which speaking of fun books, Exterminators number three, uh, written by Leah Williams, art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Brian Valenza and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Now, at the very beginning of this book and the last couple of issues, it says mature audiences. Yeah, I skimmed this. This is definitely a mature audiences book. It is, but it's also fun as hell. Um, so... If you're a mature audience. Well, or and immature audiences in some respects, yeah. but, that's, <laughs> but, that's, but that's a whole nother a whole nother side of it. So uh, since we haven't talked about the last couple of issues, basically it starts off with uh, Dazzler getting dumped and going out uh, to drown her sorrows with, uh, with uh, Jubilee and boom, boom. And that escalates into some issues with, uh, uh, well, excuse me, excuse me. Dazzler didn't get dumped. She broke up with a boyfriend uh, who is also uh, still a part of the story because apparently he was a vampire and it goes into um, some vampire stuff and some very fairies from o- other world and also space. So this thing has gone a couple of different places and they've also picked up um, 
uh, Wolverine, Laura Kenny, um, uh, in tow after the first issue. And yes, there is this book is a lot of fun. It's a potential click of the week of, of the rest. Basically, in this particular issue, the, the ladies are recounting what's been going on to the Quiet Council, but apparently they're also like under arrest or something because they're bound during this, which also, and they're dressed kind of weirdly, but uh, I assume that's going to be addressed in, in the, the coming issues. Um, yeah, some, yeah, whether... like that, that's the, yeah, I was about to say the storytelling mechanism that uh, Leo Williams uses here is definitely a flashback. Yes. Because, uh, you know, and, and I skimmed the first two issues and I, 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 I vaguely remember what happens in them. So thanks for that, you know, refreshing my memory again. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it seems like, wait, do we know how many issues uh, this miniseries is? Is it four or five? I want to say it's five, but I'm not entirely sure. And I don't. Uh... Hold on. Let me pull it up. Like, let me just, I have comic list still open. So let me just okay. scroll down and double check. Yeah. And I didn't, didn't, I don't remember it saying when I pulled the covers. Oh, wait. Yes, it does. Five. Oh, all right. So that means we still have two more. Yeah. So we will have two more issues to see how this all plays out. If it's, you know, if, if uh, the last issue is, you know, finally the, the story catching up to itself, right. as it were. So, um, but yeah, as you said, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely uh, pretty horny. Yes. Uh, yes, indeed. You know, that's probably putting it mildly, but I like the <laughs> fact that they obviously know what they're doing. You know, like Leah Williams knows what she's doing by asking to put this mature readers label on it. Mm-hmm. It's obviously the responsible thing to do. But once you have that license to go in that direction, she's having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. She's they and they really did definitely let her kind of go nuts with it to, to, a, to a certain extent. Um, and I, I've been enjoying it so far. This really kind of harkens back to me. And I know Agent 70 hasn't, as far as I can remember, has not read this, but Next Wave has nothing to do with anything that happened in Next Wave, but it kind of is reminiscent of how stuff can get kind of um, out of control and, and crazy because that book did. Also, Boom Boom was in that book. So there's a, there's a, there's a direct tie in that. But like I said, it has nothing to do with what went on in that book written by someone completely different. Um, I was always kind of, I, I was kind of like, I, I never thought of Boom Boom being depicted that way. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, the way she is here? Being, yeah, as being, uh, I'm going to put this kindly top heavy. Yes. I've always, I always remember Dazzler being depicted even during the Claremont run. Mm-hmm. as having um, uh, a caboose, let's yes. say. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so... And they, and they definitely... Not... And they definitely take take uh, take all of that into uh, into thought and consideration right. in, in, in this in this particular issue. <laughs> my, point, my point being that I don't recall Boom Boom being portrayed that way, you know, um, you know, you know, in illustrations and the art. But I definitely remember Dazzler being, you know, uh, uh, you know that being a, a story point. Right. So right. So when we first see Boom Boom, she was a teenager, and then uh, with X Factor, uh, and and then and actually, I think wait, was she in the, the original? Uh, or she was Fallen Angels. I X keep, keeps, yeah, I know that, but I know. Um, 
But I mean, saying the was she also in the original Exterminators or was probably Final Fallen Angels? I'm thinking about. So I, I think, uh, it's one of the two. But regardless, she was a teen then, and I think probably come time of uh, next wave, that's when they kind of you know aged her up and kind of they didn't necessarily bosom her out, but um, right, that's the part I don't remember. That's all. Right, that's my only point. They didn't, yeah, they didn't really tart her up that that uh, that much there, but yeah, but still, she was noticeably more admirable there, I guess, or something like that. I don't remember. Regardless, this definitely talks about it, and I don't even even in the the, the current um, Krakoan stuff, like I don't remember them kind of um, going that far with it. So it is rather funny to see it here, even though she, you know, like I say to my notes, like yeah, it's it's a weird. They're dressed kind of weirdly, with the exception of Boom Boom, because like I, I can see her wearing stuff like this. If anyone know remembers the uh, video game Lollipop Chainsaw, it's kind of along those lines also, which is like you know what, sure, if that that tracks with her. <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny, but regardless, um, this is a fun book. Like I said, potential click of the week, and and the, it, can't stress this is enough. Mature audiences on this one. Um, shout out to Marvel for letting this one go, not getting letting this one go this far. I'm not saying that it gets too far out of left field, but with what you're used to, and this is definitely in two different places. Let's say. All right. And, and uh, Lee Williams is like as Agent Seven said, is definitely having a lot of fun, and I'm uh, enjoying it with her. And that, folks, uh, is it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. And we did get a couple um, from our, pardon me for one moment. Yeah, that Blue Beetle book did come out this week. Yeah, I saw that. That's what I was uh, uh, talking about earlier uh, when I was looking through covers. But uh, that being said, um, our absent uh, co-hosts have their clicks. One of which is Dirts with uh, The Approach number two. He says, uh, and this is a Boom Studios book, as I found out. Um, it says, classic horror of a group isolated at an airport during a snowstorm while a giant monster hunts them down. Fun stuff, which is kind of funny because I, that sounds like a, um, a Dark Pictures video game uh, that should happen. Um, if you are into video games and know what the, the dark, dark pictures anthology is. Um, and the, the click from Tim is blue beetle graduation day. Number one. And I believe of five. Of uh, six actually. Of six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. At yes, least according right. to a comic list. No, you're right. Cause I have it in here in the thing also. So yes. So one of six, um, and he doesn't have anything else on that, just that that's the case. So uh, as I write those down, um, we can get on to ours as well. Do you have yours or? I'm considering between basically two books. One of them is Strange number eight. The other one being Planet Hulk World Breaker number one. Everything else was kind of okay. Um, I did enjoy Star Trek number two. Um uh, but I think that uh, Strange Number Eight, you know, with its kind of well-told retcon, I think ultimately takes it over Planet Hulk Worldbreaker. Um, you know, both of them are kind of 
um, dealing with, you know, stories that we're kind of familiar with. One of them obviously goes, you know, into the far, the slightly far flung future to establish it. The other one is an artfully done retcon. I'm going to go with the retcon this week. Strange number eight. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, let me put that back up real quick. And I forgot to put the other ones up, but that's fine. Uh, for myself, I think it's probably apparent, but uh, I'm going with Exterminators number three. Um, because yeah, that that's that uh, book was pure fun. It will definitely read. I think it will read way better in trade, even though it reads pretty good now. Um, like yeah, once it once it all gets out there, it's it's just going to be a, a pure fun ride. So with that, uh, that is the clicks of the week for us. Let us get into an ad read. Our first ad read of the night, folks, is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. So place your first order with $20 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we get into the... There we go. Oh, here we go again. We get into the cinematic news as I uh, try to mess with this camera. (laughs) <laughs> starting off with um, MCU producer explains why there won't be a Namor and actually I should have moved something around I hate when it happens but anyway uh, MCU producer explains why there won't be a Namor solo movie after Black Panther Wakanda Forever so um, Nate Moore recently re- revealed that um, oh that the, that an arrangement with Universal actually had an impact on how Namor could be used in Wakanda Forever's marketing. And while Namor can return, that deal currently stands in the way of Marvel Studios potentially producing a Namor solo movie. So basically, yeah, Universal has the rights to Namor, and therefore they can only do so much with the character. Uh, They're trying to hold on to that license. Yep, just like I said last week, they're, they're going to do what they can. Uh, to hold on to that because that is some cash flow they can count on. Yep, yep. Uh, there's a quote here. It honestly affects us more, and not to talk too much out of school, but in how we market the film than it does in how we use them in the film, Moore said. Uh, there weren't really... 
uh, things we couldn't do from a character perspective for, or for him, which is good because clearly we took a ton of inspiration from the source material, but we also had to, we also made some big changes to really anchor him in that world in a truth that publishing never really landed on. Um, I would argue in a big way, unquote. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Next up. All right. Speaking of Nate Moore, in an interview with The Town, as reported by The Direct, Marvel Studios producer Nate Moore recently discussed the script that was pitched for the third Captain America film, Captain America Civil War. It it originally revolved around Baron Zemo and a mad bomb. That's Kirby-era Captain America, which would cause people to fight each other. It would have been up to Cap and the Winter Soldier to stop it. Feige believed it wasn't a large enough threat. More explained, Feige was like, that's not a big enough idea, guys. And we're like, well, let us write a draft and we'll prove it to you. Ultimately, they settled upon the idea to have an adaptation of Civil War as part of the third Captain America movie. Despite the fact that uh, a lot of the, the 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 touchstones of the comic book Civil War event, like the New Warriors, did not exist yet in the MCU. But they do now. Well, some of them, anyway. <laughs> uh, in a sense. In a sense, yeah. Um, next up, though. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Zoe Saldana is ready to leave Gamora behind. Um, speaking with Variety, Saldana touched upon whether she's finally done playing the, um, the, <laughs> playing the, the iconic green-skinned Guardian member for now. Quote, I can never say no to anything, but that green makeup, I wouldn't be upset if I didn't, if it didn't happen again. Uh, Saldana joked about the tribulations of applying Gamora's alien skin color. Uh, I miss Gamora, Gamora, but I don't miss 3.30 a.m. calls and five-hour makeup sessions and trips to the dermatologist afterwards. Can't say I blame her on that one. Because <laughs> yep. I hear this a lot. As I of, said earlier, as I said earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, okay, well, it goes on from there with, with her talking about a reaction to fans of the, the films and, and other stuff. But nevertheless, the bigger news is coming next, which is... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer debuted today. Today. At CCXP22, that is Comic-Con Experience 2022 in Brazil. Nice. You know? Um, So Marvel Studios debuted the trailer for Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 3. Kevin Feige. God. Even Marvel.com lists Kevin Feige as president of Marvel Studios. He's just Kevin Feige. It, they have to do it for the folks who might not know. Come on. I, we know this. Kevin, but Kevin Feige introduced <laughs> Zoe Saldana, who plays Gamora in the franchise before delighting the enthusiastic fans with the trailer debut for the highly anticipated upcoming feature film, releasing in U.S. theaters on May 5th, 2023. It'll be here before you know it, folks. We're like, you know, Christmas is right around the corner. I can't believe that May is going to be here. You know, like, you know, we're going to get Quantumania. And there's going to be a couple other things dropping between now and Guardians. But, you know, it's it's an amazing time. We're just in this kind of, like, lull in between releases for our favorite genre uh, forms of uh, media. Mm. I didn't say this earlier, but I have a... 
slight theory, and I don't think it's far outside of um, of outside of feel. I think there's probably going to be a couple of deaths. I would not be surprised. Um, and 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 I'm only thinking about that because of weirdly enough, it was the holiday special that kind of got me in mind of one one particular one. Um, I don't know if the other one, which is a slight focal point of Volume Three, might be one of them. But I, I, I know some people would probably be upset if that did happen. But nevertheless, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a theory. I have nothing just, to go on. Just protect Cosmo. Yes. Oh, speaking of that, that was an interesting um, choice because I didn't because uh, I. I'm trying to remember. So when Cosmo showed up in the first, wait, was it the first or second movie? I can't remember. I think it was the second movie, right? First. Was it the first one? Okay. They did no, no, voice. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, on, hold on, hold on. I think it was the second. I feel like Cosmo showed up at the end of the first one in a, in a, in the, at the end cut scene, but not necessarily as a part of the movie. You know what I'm saying? It was like a end right, credit. right, 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 right. So, but but showed up yeah, a little bit more. Stuck. Right. But showed up a little bit more in two. So. Was it voice? Was 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 were there voices there? Okay, no voice. That's, that's what I thought. So hearing Cosmos' voice in the um, holiday special, I was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> that's not what I was expecting." Um, it was a little high pitched. A little bit. <laughs> I was expecting kind of a gruff Russian accent. Right. Like I just go ahead and say it. I thought it was a, it was going to be a, a boy dog, but apparently it's not. Um, so which is doesn't take away from the and I and then the voice sounded familiar, but not from where people said the voice was from, because I never watched the the, the movies that the the, the the actress is from. I didn't even look up who was doing the voice. Yeah, let's just say very nice. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was my thought also, but I was like, but I feel like I've I've heard her in something else, but I just can't place it. But her voice sounded very familiar coming out of Cosmo. So okay. Anyway, next up, though, um, yeah, wait, impressions of the trailer? I enjoyed it. I It's just it's just fun. It feels yeah. like um, that second movie was a little, well, the, the trailer for the second movie was still good anyway, you know? So even though I felt like the second movie was a bit of a letdown coming off of the first movie, the trailer, too, was still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how Guardians 3 delivers off of a pretty fun first trailer. Right. And just like I told you before the show, it was like, yeah, two, and I think you kind of agree with me, it's like two was pretty much more of, of one um, in ways. And I think I'm not the only person, and we are not the only people that, that, that thought that, if that would, that would be the case. So, and, and what's funny is that, and, and, and kind of piggybacking off of our discussion of the holiday special, it's, 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 it benefits this group of characters that uh, Gun had some space to focus on Drax and <laughs> space. Uh, what's that? I said you said space. I just don't don't mind me. <laughs> yeah, had some room. Okay, <laughs> had some room to further explore Drax and Mantis in the holiday special because it seems that we're going to see and and we've read you know some some bits on this uh, over the course of the production that the third movie is going to uh, give some focus to Rocket Rocket right. and his origin. Mm-hmm. I want to call him Rocket Raccoon, but, you know, I don't want to offend him. And yeah, have he him might get a little him. upset. Yeah, he, he, might, he might get a little upset about that. 
and fans of and fans of Rocket definitely because I've seen some people kind of going after people. I was like, all right, just just calm down. (laughs) Right, right, right. You also read some comics, folks. But anyway, Mm. uh, ultimately, uh, you know, that's the you know that would be the character that you know hasn't had as much you know uh, uh, character you know screen time and characterization. I wouldn't say screen time, but characterization. Right. So, blam. it's nice that, uh, say again? I was going to say, blam, murdered you. At least we're not getting that. Right, 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 right. I mean, ultimately, we get a little bit of it during Infinity War. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's when he and Groot are dealing with Thor. Right, that's probably the most that we got. And also, a callback to, to, um, uh, to, in, well, I guess, it was, yeah, was it, uh, no, it was, uh, it was, um, um, it wasn't in game. Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah. No, no, I'm saying where he had interaction with another character that came back up in the holidays. Right. Special. Right. Do you have anything in the news about what Gunn had to say about that? No. I haven't seen anything right. on it. Oh, you haven't? Uh uh-uh. uh. So apparently the deal is that Gunn basically, you know, uh got some 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 fans all astir by saying that the character who obtained that uh appendage mm-hmm. basically took it by force i mean that would make and sense given that like, character right and i was just like wait a second but, but also, I, I laughed because i was like well he's kind of trolling right. but at the same time i you know i'd be i'd be interested to see if that becomes part of why this particular character goes a certain way in the mcu <laughs> right Right, right, right. Also, knowing what you just said, I'm sitting here like, "What did did they find out how how um how uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier went?" <laughs> or... Exactly, <laughs> they talked to the Wakandans. Exactly, right. which I this 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 character is not really known for being all that chatty, so I can't see that really happening. But you know, resourceful one would say also. So yes, sure. I, that was a nice troll, but at the same time, I can also kind of see it happening. <laughs> well, exactly. That's the best part. It's like, wait a second. Is he trolling or is he really serious about this? That's the best part of it. Right. And I kind of wonder if that's going to come back up in three or something, which I kind of doubt it would. But I mean, at some point it's going to come up because, you so. know, both characters have future appearances scheduled. This is true. Yeah, uh, this is true. <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh, moving right along, that's a, that's a that's a fun thing to kind of go on. Um, is this you? This is me. Excuse me. Uh, MCU's Blade movie back on track with new director and writer. So, as Deadline reports, it's I, I feel like this we've talked about before, but I don't remember. Uh, but uh, Lovecraft Country pilots director uh, Yan Demange or. I'm not sure how that's pronounced it, so I apologize, has been tapped to helm the Blade movie. Uh, the trade also reveals that when they see yes, writer Michael Starbury has been hired to pin the screenplay for the upcoming MCU reboot. Uh, at the time of writing, no filming has started. Uh, it's going back to what was asked earlier. And um, uh, it was real, reveal- yeah, so no filming date has been revealed for the movie. Excuse me. And that's pretty much that because it kind of goes on to some of the other things that's happened previously with that movie. So, 
we got a writer, we have a, a director, and hopefully they stick. Next up. Marvel Studios launched their Black Panther Wakanda Forever Oscar campaign by highlighting actor Angela Bassett's performance since its theatrical release in November, because technically we're in December now. The Black Panther sequel has grossed buku bucks with no signs of slowing down. So, um, Marvel spotlights Bassett's Queen Ramonda in their Oscars campaign kickoff and, uh, seated front and center. The campaign features varieties take on the actor's mesmerizing quote unquote performance, the emotional weight, profound themes and cultural impact are also listed as reasons for how the movie has distinguished itself this awards season. The poster makes it clear that Marvel intends to submit the film for Oscar nominations in all categories. Good for them. Which they, I'm pretty sure they did with the first one also. And, yes. Uh, and I can't remember, it, I think it wasn't for effects and maybe Chadwick got something posthumously, but... Um, no, costuming. Remember, we talked about this. Ruth right, Carter I do won. remember that, but... And for right, and for uh, sound for uh, for scoring because of mm-hmm. uh, Ludwig Göransson's uh, work, right. So, but I thought and, I know and some others up. too, but nothing. None of the acting, none of the acting awards went to them. They got, I think, a SAG award for like a ensemble cast, right. But I think he was at least nominated. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think but, it was nominated. Right. So, but going getting back to this, look, Angela Bassett is badass, so she deserves her flowers. She did act her ass off in this in, in, in her part in this in this uh in, in this movie. So I'd say it's a strong thing to kind of go on for you know uh uh for them to go on during the Oscar season. I don't feel too good about her chances because that's the type of movie that this is and the Oscars uh you know bias. But here's here's hoping. So uh. Rumor section, folks. Uh, Marvel eyeing, eyeing Ryan Gosling or Alexander Skarsgård for a major villain uh, in Thunderbolts at that. So I saw this uh, floating around, and it sounds like they're trying to get one of them to play Sentry because they wanted kind of a, quote, evil Superman. And I'm sitting here like, Hyperion is right there. <laughs> Why go with... I don't really like Century anyway, so that's another thing. But still, Hyperion is right there. And has definitely played the evil Superman part in the Marvel Universe before. They could have done that. Now, again, this is rumor. So we don't even know if any of that is, is, is you know has any kind of weight or thing. But it sounds like something... As much as I hate to say it, it sounds like something they would do. They would go with Century because Century is, quote-unquote, a more sympathetic character. Well, they may be reserving Hyperion for like an actual Squadron Supreme story, which that would be weird if they did that. So, but no, I heard but the it would be interesting to have like you know like JLA or Justice League analogs in the Marvel universe. Sure, but given, I mean that's the whole point of the Squadron Supreme. So, but also, but yeah, but they're also like from a whole other dimension and that whole other stuff you know that that's going on with them. Hey, we're about to go into Secret Wars, so maybe that's why they're holding on to. So, Maybe, but anyway, it is rumor. So, there it is. All righty, next up, Bill Murray's Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. That is the third Ant Man movie, folks. 
Bill Murray's role in that movie may be more substantial than expected if a newly released poster for the film is anything to go by. As noted by the direct, the new theater standee features Murray's name among the top billed actors in the movie. This suggests that Murray's as of yet undisclosed character will have a bigger part to play than the brief cameo many fans previously assumed the Hollywood legend would make. So we don't know yet. That movie is even closer than Guardian. So we'll see very soon. uh, You know, the proof will be in the pudding when we go to watch this. Right. But my whole thing is like, okay, it's Bill Murray. So of course he's going to get some sort of billing, whether he has, whether his role is going to be that big or not. Not not, again, that's, you know, maybe to give him a little too much credit, but you know, it's also Bill Murray. So, right. Um, I don't know. It's just weird to see him in a Marvel movie at all because I feel like you would, uh, granted, you know, wouldn't see him in something like this. But we don't also don't know what his part is. But we also know that, look, that Marvel money is pretty tempting for a lot of folks. Yep. So, yeah. Speaking of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, there was a trailer uh, from CCXP this uh, today. Um... Uh, it's um, it's more of a legacy trailer. It's basically uh, re- you know kind of going back through the beats of the the last couple of Ant Man movies, and then a, um, a little bit into uh, uh, the new one. Not much that hasn't been seen from the 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 trailers of the the current movie, but nevertheless, it's, it's a nice little walk through uh, Scott Lang's journey through the MCU. Which is another, which as uh, Agent 70 was kind of uh, leaning on a little bit, like, yeah, we were talking before the show, like, who would have thought we'd had have uh, three Ant-Man movies, much less one? Right. We got three Ant-Man movies. He's shown up in Civil War. Mm-hmm. He showed up in um, Endgame. Endgame. Not End so much in, yeah, you know, we don't see him at all in Infinity War, but we see him in Endgame. Oh, right. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was still uh, in the quantum realm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. But nevertheless, if you haven't uh, taken a look at this trailer, you, you should. It's like I said, there's not really much in it that you probably haven't seen before. And, but still, it's a nice little walk. Uh, next up. All righty. The MCU's damage control uh, will reportedly play a significant role in armor wars. So the ineffectual damage control, uh, as we've seen them portrayed as thus far, apparently is going to uh, have a much more substantive role in armor wars on Disney+. Plus. This is uh, more rumor, apparently. Mm-hmm. But also, I wouldn't be surprised, because if, if, if you think about where we've seen them, and we know they've been using Stark Tech... Um, it would not be surprised that, you know, Roby's like, you know what? Yeah, they've been getting a little out of out of pocket, so let's just take it from them type situation. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen because all this is rumor, but that sounds plausible to me as, as yeah. something that would happen. So Pretty much. Don't. Yeah. Um, Ryan Reynolds has worked on, a, apparently worked on a Christmas Deadpool movie. Um, and says here in an interview with some place, the big issue, I don't know what that is, but Reynolds explains that, uh, four years ago, uh, he and Deadpool co-writers, uh, Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, 
wrote a Christmas movie starring Deadpool, but it got lost in the shuffle of Disney acquiring Fox and it never got made. That's probably for the best, I'm thinking, but that's just me. Maybe one day we'll get to make that movie. It's not a musical, but it's full Deadpool Christmas movie. So one day. Things have happened. Stranger things have happened. So, um, yeah, there you go. Next up. Speaking of that Marvel money looking very enticing. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan has expressed interest in joining the MCU. Launched into mainstream media at a young age, many are aware of Lohan's kind of circuitous journey through Hollywood. So, in a recent interview with Forbes, Lohan discussed her new film, Falling for Christmas, uh, and she explained that she likes to see what comes, but added that romantic comedies are something she'll continue to look for in terms of other genres. She noted that she has yet to do action and that she would love to do something with Marvel. Uh, we know she already has a all, Disney tie. You know, that's all I have to say about that. I mean, I don't think so. Homie, <laughs> don't play that. That's my attitude towards it. But you know what? If they find the right role for her where she's not, you know, front and center, then maybe. I mean, you know, the MCU, uh, the, excuse me, the Marvel Universe in itself has a few redheads. So. Yeah. <laughs> Any number of them that hasn't already uh, have seen screen time can can be a, a thing. Not saying that she has to be a redhead, but also she's having a resurgence right now. So I guess good for her after her, you know, her issues. But like I said, she already has a Disney tie, so I wouldn't be surprised if that hasn't been talked about at some point. <laughs> uh, next up, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse will have six dominant art styles, apparently. So it says here that um um yada 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 um oh so yeah so we we all know that we're getting not one but two Spider Verse sequels uh that's the upcoming uh, across the Spider Verse and uh, beyond the the Spider Verse uh in in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four respectively. And it says here that um, that means that visuals are about to get even more dazzling, according to this article. It says here that uh, the first film had one animation style that dominates the movie. This movie has six, according to uh, producer Phil Lord. Quote, uh, we're taking those tools, adding all the things we learned on the Mitchells versus the machines, and then growing them further to accommodate the, the ambition of this movie. Uh, which is to wow you every time you enter a new environment and also to make sure that the style of the movie reflects the story and that the images are driven by feelings as opposed to some egg-headed uh, art project, which is also, by the way, which it is also, by the way. Now, some would argue we've kind of seen uh, some of this in Dark Strange and uh, the Multiverse of Madness, but some could also say that maybe that movie was... Uh, potentially uh, influenced by the first uh, Spider-Man movie, I would dare say. So, just kind of going back to the well. Not saying going back to the well, that's the wrong term to say, but, um, you know, just kind of upping the stakes a little bit, upping the ante just a little bit, though. So, anyway, that's that. Next up. Indy, I am so glad you are not dead. (laughs) Indiana Jones is officially back. Disney revealed the first trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, 
which is the official title for the fifth installment of Harrison Ford's whip-cracking adventure franchise. On top, on top of that, the trailer showcased a de-aged Harrison Ford as Indy back in his glory days of archaeology and adventures. The film is scheduled for release on June 30th, 2023. I enjoyed this. I had some 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 good laughs. I thought uh, one of them was a great callback to mm. a scene from uh, uh, wait, it's Raiders, right? The first one, yes. Yeah, you know, with the with the whip and the gun. I haven't watched the trailer, but yes, that oh, is from, that's where that's from. Yeah, but that's where I'm that's sorry. from. I didn't. No, 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 you're good. Right. You're good. All right. So when you see it, you'll 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 get it right away. Gotcha. Yeah, this is the actually that's the why one I thriller. That, that's why I kind of I, I spoke about it, you know, vaguely. I wasn't sure that you had. I, I actually I thought I sent you a link to it. <clears throat> well, you did, but like I said, I had seen this. I had seen the fact that this was out there. I just hadn't watched it. That's the only one I hadn't actually watched. The rest of my head. Got it. Got it. So whereas I hadn't actually seen the Ant Man uh, recap, uh, you know that that legacy trailer that we were just talking about. Right. So, but. Yeah, so apparently Harrison Ford is um is uh, happy with the 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 de aging that was done on this film. So and I guess uh, I assume the still that's in the article and that um the Empire cover that I showed from the last article um is, is proof of it not being terrible. So yeah, I'm a, I'm I'm gonna have to watch this uh, trailer after after the show. Uh, but moving right along, uh, the Mandalorian. Season three gets an um, gets a release date. Not to get us taken off of YouTube, but so uh, this was also announced at uh, Brazil Comic Con, and uh, we only have to wait until March first, twenty twenty three, which is kind of funny because that's a, uh, I believe that's the start of fiscal, uh, fiscal second quarter. No, wait, no. No, I'm sorry. We're still in fiscal first, uh, first fiscal. So never mind. Forget what I was. <laughs> what I was forget what I was just said. Because I was about to say that's kind of slick. They're they 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 timing it at the beginning of the second quarter of fiscals, but that's not true. Uh, it's it's near the end of fiscal one though. So nevertheless, still. I was going to say, you know, they're 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 putting it out in the height of tax prep season. That's about it. Right. But at the end of the day. Um, that's, this is one of the projects I was referring to when I talked about things coming out in between Marvel releases, specifically, I was thinking of this one because we have quantum mania in February and then guardians in May, this comes out in March. That's awesome. Right. Cause usually when you see like the, the, um, a, a date of the first like this, I'm like, okay, they're, they're, they're trying to come in before or at a certain time. Normally it doesn't, nothing just, just comes out on the first but you know doesn't necessarily mean that's the case so yeah looking forward to that um tanak huerta honored by jason memorial comparison oh no i'll say this is my story oh i'm sorry go ahead then it's all right tanak actually you know i heard i've heard him say tanoch or tanach right okay well you know, but then again, he's the one that's making trying to make everyone call him Namor. But <laughs> <laughs> but this is his actual name, so I'm going to respect him yes. when he says Tanach Huerta is honored by uh, comparisons with Jason Momoa, the DC Aquaman. But he does say that Namor or Namor would win a fight with Aquaman, and I agree with him. Imperious Rex. Uh, mm-hmm. 
if it was other versions, you know, let me stop. I don't know. I, I, I would probably <laughs> agree. I would probably agree with this, but I'm more of a Marvel head than DC anyway. But at the same time, if this was a different version of Aquaman, I would say absolutely yes. Like Jason Momoa is kind of a big dude. You know, I know what I'm saying obviously there's more to play with than just you know than 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 just that. But um I don't know, like I said, dude you know, hey, dude stocked himself up pretty pretty well for for uh for uh for Black Panther. Also, apparently in this article, I know there's been this has been going around, which I didn't put uh I did not put in the thing. I think this was in the same article that talked about uh them having to digitally retouch his uh his speedo. <laughs> because you know he was kind of holding apparently or something um <laughs> and he, and he confirmed more than it was in the movie right and he confirmed that yeah that uh, such a thing happened so i was like okay <laughs> that's funny yeah I, I saw that i was like yeah that's good that's 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 a fun that's that's kind of silly uh, all right now to me the original Teen Titans series reruns uh, are returning to Cartoon Network, which for some strange reason, I figured they had not stopped being on Cartoon Network. So go figure. Um, according to not, no, Cartoon Network's upcoming schedule, reruns of the original Teen Titans as remained series will return to the network on Sunday, December 4th. Uh, shout out to Jay-Z's birthday, I guess. And someone else's birthday that I know of. But anyway, for a three-hour block starting 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, yeah, if you're a fan of the original Teen Titans, I was about to spell out the whole thing. I'm not going to do it. Never mind. The original Teen Titans uh, show, and I know there are a lot of you out there. Um, Enjoy. But you probably already have it on DVD. So, or that's watching it on hbo max not i think yeah i was about to say it's on hbo max <laughs> but you know what good for the people who uh you know want to tune in on cartoon network yep yep next up all right warner brothers television studios is close to striking an animation deal with amazon for dc branded content interesting so um Channing Dungey teased the news at Content London, stating that the studio is exploring animated IP on different platforms, including uh, Warner Brothers Discovery-owned HBO Max. Okay. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, wait, you own it? Do you really have to do such a thing? Just, I mean, sure. uh, greater distribution. Yeah. No, well, I mean, yes, that. But I'm sorry, on, on HBO Max, not on um, um, Amazon. That part, uh, yeah, I get that. <clears throat> so yeah, the, the more places the merrier, because you know, telling also you know, telling what the, uh, the the future holds for HBO Max. Exactly. So, um, so just to wrap up some some old news uh, on a on a thing, Walter Hamada, uh, the former president of uh, DC Studios, if I'm not correct, if I'm correct, is joining Paramount Pictures following his Warner Brothers Discovery exit. Um, so yeah, Paramount Pictures, uh, announced that, uh, it is entered in an exclusive multi-year deal with Hamada that will see him heading up all of its horror genre films for both theatrical and streaming releases. In a public statement about the deal, Paramount Pictures president and uh, CEO Brian Robbins, I believe not to be confused with the actor, called Hamada the, quote, uh, the ideal partner and visionary 
excuse me, to take point on the company's horror-focused endeavors. He also pointed to the success of uh, director Parker Finn's Smile, which, re- which was released uh, theatrically after originally being meant for Paramount Plus, because no one watches Paramount Plus. Yeah. Um, that, that was me editorializing. Um, as an ex- example of the kind of opportunities Paramount sees in pursuing the horror genre with Hamada uh, guiding the studio's effort. So, cool. Good. Glad dude landed somewhere. Next up. Star Trek, the Next Generation alum, Jonathan Frakes, approached J.J. Abrams about directing Star Trek IV. In a new interview with TrekMovie.com, the actor best known for his role as Commander William Riker revealed how he approached the producer-director of 2009 Star Trek Reboot about helming the sequel. He actually wrote J.J. to say, if you need an experienced guy to take over Star Trek IV, he's available. He said, you are certainly experienced. Um... So Star Trek 4 has been stuck in development hell since the release of 2016 Star Trek Beyond. So no word whether or not this might actually happen. So, you know, we'll wait and see. Yeah, and I believe Frakes has um, directed a couple of the um, Generations movies, or the Star Trek uh, TNG movies. Generations might have been one of them, I can't remember. Regardless, hey, we'll see. I was going to say, did he direct any of Picard? Yes, yes. That's what I thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that whole thing is like your certain experience. That kind of sounds like a brush off, but at the same time, like that's that's me reading it and not probably how it was meant. Um, right. Transformers: Strides of the Beast first trailer is full of maximal action. Um, after years of yeah, okay, there's a lot of Transformers movies, folks, and I, I don't. I can't say whether they're good or not because I can't. Say I was about I've to say I have not watched Bumblebee. Neither have I. But I hear good things about that one. I think I've watched the first one and part of that second. Ugh. So that second one, and that's about as far as I've gotten. I keep threatening to, to watch them all, and I don't know why I'm putting myself through it because it's they're all Bay movies. Anywho, um, that was that third one. I don't think I ever made it all the way through. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But it says here, uh, active, after years of Paramount's live-action Transformers movies feeling like they were coasting on their good looks, Transformers Rise of the Beast's first teaser trailer is here to remind everyone that Beast Wars also has always been the superior chunk... Okay, and this is this article's writer saying this. I love me some Beast Wars. Don't get me wrong. But a superior a chunk of the larger Transformers franchise is a bit of a stretch. I am sorry. I'm a G1 fan. Die hard. I love me some Beast Wars, but now nah, that's a stretch. And this is probably... I mean, you know, Beast Wars is kind of after my time of being a Transformers fan. Mm-hmm. So I am unf- wholly unfamiliar with the concept. I, you know, I, I I think I tried watching it. I was just like, oh, okay, that's enough Beast for Wars me. Beast Wars is great. Beast Wars is great. Now, sh- shout out to Charles Pulliam Moore, because I've, I've read some of his stuff, and he's usually pretty good. That's that's a little bit of a stretch there, home, bruh. Um, <laughs> personally speaking, you know, you, you have your opinion. Anywho, uh, the, 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 the longest short of it is that, hey, there's a new teaser trailer for Rise of the Beast, which does look actually pretty good, it, despite the fact that it is in the same vein as those other Transformers movies. We got some Primal, we got some Cheetor, we saw some Air Razor action, uh, we saw a little bit of Rhinox in there, even. Um, 
uh, Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime was in there, you know, so, so they, they hit some stuff. Um, it's still weird that, that they changed some of the car models. Yes. I'm like, that's not, that's not an F1 car. That's supposed to be an F1 car. Oh, right. Yes. Mo- yes. Mirage was also in there. I was like, yeah, right. I, I agree. Cause I'm, like, like, and, Cause I'm like, that's not jazz. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or, or, um, or like, the the other one who's escaping, who was also that same, um, a Porsche. Like, yeah. I don't but, remember. A uh, blue streak, I think. Was it blue streak? Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But yeah, I was like, wait, Mirage is a freaking F1 car. This is this is that. But then again, Bumblebee, because they screwed that one up too. Um, right. No, so, which I get. No, no, I stand behind it. Screwed that one up too. But then again, it's a Beetle. But I mean, they did callbacks to it, but at the end of the day, they screwed it up. Right. So, um, it is what it is. But the, the trailer looked pretty good. Um, there was a lot going on, and I'm not entirely sure uh who the big the big bad is going to be in this but i guess we'll 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 find out at some point if you haven't seen it go check it out Um, if you are a fan of those live action transformers movies yeah next up with a number of veterans of the of the movie series already confirmed to be back Angelica Houston is also set to make her John Wick franchise return with the latest ballerina casting. Anna de Armas is leading the cast of the upcoming film, a spinoff of the Keanu Reeves-led action franchise revolving around an assassin trained as a ballerina who embarks on a quest to find those that murdered her parents. Uh, Len Weisman, best known for helming the Underworld movie franchise, is directing ballerina on a script uh, co-written with franchise vet Shay Hatton and promising young woman's Emerald Fennell, who was brought on by DeArmas. So, you know what? It's just great that, uh, you know, they're keeping some of these veteran actors in these stories. You know, keeping them, you know, keeping them busy. Sure. Especially if they want to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, uh, some sad news. Uh, Die Hard and Top Gun actor... Clarence Gilliard Jr. Uh, dies at age 66. Now, if that name doesn't sound familiar, you may remember this. Oh my god, the quarterback is toast! Exactly. Uh, that is, uh, that is, I don't want to say this is legacy, but let's face it, that's kind of pretty much what I, what I, I know him from. I don't rem- I vaguely remember from Top Gun, unless he was in a new one. In, no, in he, was, he, he was he he was um, one of the Rio officers in Top Gun, and oh. right, you know, the, you know, one of the the backseat, you know, radar, right. uh, and, you know, like a radio. Uh, <laughs> I forget what Rio stands for now. Right. So basically, but, he was uh, the man in the chair, just like he was in in Die Hard. <laughs> right, 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 right. He was also in on a show that I never watched, which was Walker Texas Ranger. He was also in um, Metlock. He took over for the other, uh, for Ken Holiday, and at this part I remember because weirdly enough, um, but yeah, he took off, took took up after uh, Ken Holiday died, not died, excuse me, left uh, Matlock to, to you know to be gotcha. Matlock's investigator, sidekick. I don't know what to call him, what to, what to call those, but his assistant yeah. or something. I don't know. Regardless, yeah. there he was. Yeah, but you know that's too, you know that's it's that's it's it's bad news. Sixty six is way too young. 
Right. Also, I forgot you forgot. I forgot he wasn't uh, Texas Ranger because I did remember seeing him. Yeah, Trevette. I do remember that. <laughs> Didn't watch too much Texas Ranger, but Ranger, but I do remember. Yeah, him as. Uh, I forgot it was him, basically. So, uh, yes, he will be missed. And once again, oh my god, the quarterback is toast. Pretty much. Yeah. Listen, we all know that's a that's a sound drop that we've that we've had that I've had in. Um, in stock on my soundboards for a while. So, you know, it's sad that now that we wouldn't have went with that, now that whenever we play it, we're, you know, we'll have to, you know, we'll, we'll be in a sense paying our respects. Indeed. Yes. Alrighty. Next up. So, uh, you know, we know that, um, a Charlie, like all the Charlie Brown specials, all the peanut specials have been bought out by the, the, the people over at Apple TV plus, so uh, there are ways to watch a Charlie Brown Christmas online. It's not going to air on broadcast television in 2022. So as Roddy Cat just showed people, if you are watching the video, you can, in fact, go out and buy a hard copy of the entirety, the entire collection of uh peanuts holiday specials well, that's probably the best thing for you to do because who knows what happens with all the streaming with all these streaming services but well, this, this you, particular one this particular one is not the all of them it's just the big three uh but yes you can i believe you can still find the dvds of all of all of them out there somewhere right but i'm thinking of the big three you right. know thanksgiving christmas and um halloween right all right those are the ones that most people know right so but ultimately, you can watch it on Apple TV Plus with a new subscription. Um, if you want to watch it for free, it's actually going to be streaming on Apple TV Plus for non-subscribers to access from Thursday, December 22nd through Sunday, December 25th on Apple TV Plus. All you have to do is pull up the app on some sort of device and you'll be able to watch it on those days, December 22nd through December 25th again. Yeah, I was about to say you. This this article is basically a, a rinse and repeat of when we talked about the the, the Thanksgiving one a couple of weeks ago. Right, <laughs> they just changed the date. That that's actually pretty much what they did in this. But yeah, so it's damn you, Apple. That's all I gotta say about that. Yeah, you know what's 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 bad is that I know people who have basically done away with with physical media. They may not even have an actual DVD or Blu-ray player at home, especially if they're not gamers. Right. Right? So at the end of the day, it, it's tough, right? A lot of people really have decided to forego all physical media because everything that they want to watch is streamable. But, yeah. you know, I still hold on to my DVDs. I still have Same. mine. I have Same. not, I have not uh, decided to let them go just yet. Yeah, if anything, I'm... I'm ripping them and putting them somewhere but you know that's, that's well, I, well essentially as backups right exactly. you know because you still have your discs mm -hmm. so and uh as we have as we are prone to say sometimes you can probably find these out there some way through other means if you're right. out there enough. in the internet ether yes but it's you know having them not on network tv is just a bummer <laughs> we don't have Saturday morning cartoons anymore, and now this. Yep. Um, anyway, 
Legendary Entertainment formalizes Sony deal after cutting ties with Warner Brothers. I believe this is where you would cue the Godzilla roar. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hold on. There we go. Legendary Entertainment, the production company behind Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong uh, and other things. Uh, has cut ties with Warner Brothers and entered a multi-year worldwide worldwide. That's another thing I should put, put, get up. Um, film distribution partnership with Sony Pictures. Under the new agreement, Sony will market and distribute uh, Legendary's upcoming theatrical motion picture titles. However, select existing projects at Legendary are exempt from the pact, meaning Warner Brothers Pictures is still uh, backing quite, you know, not unsurprisingly, Doom Part Two. Uh, which is uh, the sequel to the, that last Dune, the thing that they did, which I still haven't seen. I haven't uh, watched it. Yeah, and Dune is a that's a that's a yeah that's a slog. <laughs> no matter how they've done it, um, I can't say anything for that one. But the ones I've seen previously, anyway. Um, in a press release, Sony Pictures and Legendary emphasized that the companies are aligned in their quote ongoing commitment to theatrical distribution as a driver for other downstream windows and uh, the theatrical window long windows long term value for films. Cha-ching. Uh, you know what? That's it. So, and, and right. I'll, well, actually, yeah, because it goes on. This article kind of goes on to say that uh, that cinema may be a not so subtle nod at Legendary's public spat with Warner Brothers back in late 2020, which I yeah you know, forgot about. They were they were kind of beefing for some reason, so which led them to kind of get away from them. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Bye. Next up. All right, so we're in anime corner now. We are. I feel like Netflix. this is this is Agent Seventy's not so subtle, uh, not so subtle, not to get me to watch my hero. Netflix's animated adaptation of the popular webcomic Lookism sets a December release date, having been delayed due to the Itaewon tragedy. So Lookism has settled on a new Netflix release date, which arrives after the South Korean series's original date experienced a delay due to the Itaewon tragedy. Uh, that's the Halloween uh, tragedy that occurred on October 29th with the deadly crowd rush. Um, Netflix anime revealed uh, on its official account that Lookism will land on Netflix on December 8th. So that is a week away, folks. Mm. The series, based on the South Korean webcomic, was originally supposed to air on November 8th, only to, to be delayed due to the Itaewon tragedy. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if you're a fan, you know, and if you're just looking for some new, uh, anime, uh, you know, sit, you know, sit tight. That'll be here before you know it. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, uh, new anime, which would, that'll be the next article coming up, but My Hero Academia season six is premiering on Toonami soon. Um, it says here, um... That it is current the the current storyline with the paranormal liberation front bases is currently reaching a major turning point as the first arc of the season rounds out its final episodes. 
as a part of fall 2022 anime schedules over the next weeks. Uh, Adult Swim has officially announced on Toonami's uh, Facebook page that My Hero Academia Season 6 will be kicking off its run this Saturday. um, So that it would be December the 3rd as of this recording, which is on the 1st of December. Excuse me. So, hey, if you're still watching Toonami, look forward to that. But you've probably already seen this if you're watching, if you're into My Hero. So... Hey, you know, Toonami's still still kicking around there. You gotta love it. Next up. At the start of a splashy Asia-Pacific content showcase held in Singapore this past Wednesday, the Walt Disney Company revealed that it is expanding its long-running partnership with Japanese publishing powerhouse Kodansha, or Kodansha to co-produce a growing slate of anime originals for the Disney Plus streaming service. The expanded collaboration also will include licensing exclusive anime titles based on manga produced by Kodansha, starting with Tokyo Revengers Christmas Showdown arc, which will launch exclusively on Disney Plus and Disney Plus Hotstar in January 2023. I am not uh, Tokyo Revengers, I think, is on my list. I, my notebook is um, uh, downstairs in the living room, but I think Tokyo Revengers is on my anime list, and um, I'm kind of in between right now. I'm, I'm keeping current with some uh, current anime stuff, but I don't have anything uh, to binge through just yet. Taking a little break after having just finished my um, my rewatch of Attack on Titan. You know, coincidentally, another Kodansha property. Uh-huh. He, he, uh, I, I mean, granted, I can't talk, but he, he watches his two favorite, but hasn't, uh, pushed play on some new stuff yet, folks. Uh, what do you mean? You, you said you were going to start Yu Yu Hakusho, but you, you. Well, I'm keeping up with the new stuff. That's what, that's why I was kind of confused. Well, outside you said, of that, but keeping yeah. up with Chainsaw. No, 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 that, that was Hero. outside right, right, right. of, yeah, no. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to start Yu Yu Hakusho probably. Um, you know, I, 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 I just, I jumped into a rewatch of, uh, Attack on Titan. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, as Agent 7 said, he is, uh, caught up currently on what we, what I know we both have been watching, which is, uh, Spy Family and, uh, Chainsaw Man. Uh, and, ho- well, no, we, we will get to that Chainsaw Man thing in a, a few. Uh, but next up, the Promised Neverland artist uh, reveals art for new Disney uh, and uh, Kodansha live-action anime hybrid. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we just talked about the Disney Kodansha partnership. Uh, so it appears that um, that uh, one original series has brought on the Promised Neverland's artist uh, Posuka Demizu uh, for the original character and uh, concept arts designs. As a part of this new exclusive partnership, Disney will be more involved in bringing Conan Sean's various franchises to life, um, but that won't be all their partnership will, uh, uh, will include, which we've already talked about the other side of that. Uh, let's see. Disney and Conan Shaw have officially revealed Dragons of Wonder Hatch, a new live-action series that will incorporate anime elements to make it a new kind of hybrid project. Uh, this new series is in current, currently in uh, the works for a release exclusively with Disney Plus next year. And, uh, um, yeah, we've already said who's uh, involved with that. And the fact there's uh, samples of the art in this article in the, the tweet that they did. So, 
uh, about it. Cool. Next up. All righty. So uh, the director of Jujutsu Kaisen is set to oversee an original Disney anime titled Bullet. So this is coming from that same uh, Asia Pacific content showcase in Singapore this past week. And um, Disney announced an original anime series of its own with Sung Hoo Park, uh, the director of Jujutsu Kaisen. And uh, as I said, the work, the original anime he's working on is titled Bullet, which will be produced at his newly established animation studio, ENH Productions. This will be streaming exclusively on Disney Plus. Yeah, so Disney Plus getting um, getting getting big in the anime. <laughs> this is jumping into. I was about to say getting more content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, everybody else is doing it. Why not? Um, yep. Bungo Stray Dogs confirms season four release date with a new trailer. Um, so yeah, uh, January fourth is the date in Japan, and that means it'll be part uh, launching as a part of the winter twenty twenty three anime schedule that kicks off in just a few weeks, according to this article. Um, to celebrate the release date, the anime has dropped the, the fullest trailer for the new episodes that teases a whole new king of conflict coming our way. And you can check that trailer out uh, in this article if you are up on Bungo Stray Dogs, which I can only attest to like the first season and a half, or season, almost two seasons of. It's a pretty good show. I need to go back and um, um, catch up on it, actually. Next up. One Punch Man season three is officially happening, folks. Almost three years after the second season wrapped its run on the small screen. As reported by Crunchyroll, the official website for the One Punch Man TV anime confirmed last week that a third season of the hit show will be going into production. A key visual drawn by character designer Chikashi Kubota was posted alongside the announcement. The artwork features Saitama and Garu but it does not offer any teasers of what will actually evolve in the upcoming season. It's about time. Yeah. So here, this kind of slightly highlights the thing that I've noticed in the last few years with anime. Um, Usually 26 episodes of an anime would just usually be that it. And we know uh, one punch man has 26 uh, episodes. Sometimes they've more currently been broken up. Um, into thir- 13 episode seasons that sometimes that happens uh, but not always or more more historically it'd be like 22 to uh, 24 to 26 episodes would be like a season or something like that but when I read this I was like wait where did the second season come from is what I'm getting at because it's like I know I have watched all of One Punch Man and it is not the, I don't remember it being um, another season to it but they're basically breaking down the, the 26 episodes into two seasons, which mm-hmm. has, has been happening more often than not, you know, for, for whatever odd reason. Exactly. So it depends on, you know, like if I think I watched on Netflix, probably or Hulu more likely though. Um, right. Either one. Yeah. Like, like I remember going through 26 episodes. Mm-hmm. So, but I think, I think it's like organized as just one whole full season. Exactly. Um, so, and even Crunchyroll kind of has some weird numbering with some of their uh, anime now uh, with some things. But eh, it is what it is. And some of it, I think, as the anime has gotten bigger, I I dare say some of it's probably monetary driven because, you know, <laughs> you put the stuff out there. It's like, hey, you go. Here's half of it. And 
you know folks are going to buy it, and then when the next one finally shows up, you can get them to pay for that, as opposed to one lump 26-episode thing that you're only getting one, you know, one lump sum of money out of. That's me speculating, by the way, but... Yeah, you got to give them a taste. Right. That's exactly. how the game is played, folks. Exactly. Next up. Uh, oh, this is you. You got oh, this. Oh, yes, and I would get this one. Folks, if... We're not going to spoil it. If you're not up on the, the, the latest episode of Chainsaw Man and you are so inclined to do so, you might want to do so. Before That's crazy, son! Really, it is crazy. But um, uh, And if this, this might be a spoiler for you, even in looking, if you're watching the video version uh, in the title of this uh, article. But basically, hey, this last episode was a trip and some things happened. And uh, and if you've watched it, well, I know there's some people out there who's like, oh well, you know, I, you know, I read the manga, so I, I'm not worried about it because uh, this and that and the other blah 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 blah. I don't care. Those of us who are just watching the anime are like, this is some crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, wait a second, Roddy Cat likes to poke fun at the fact that he stopped watching Attack on Titan because something similar happened to uh, the lead the lead character early-ish in the show so it's not uh, the same no but it's similar <laughs> but i know what you're saying yes yes but it, right, it's not it's quite similar. the same yes, it's uh, it's very similar though a a, so, a, a major a major character some things happen matter of fact some happens to a couple characters, characters. yes some happens to a few characters in the course of this <laughs> last episode so whether you know whether there's a permanent change. Whether there are lasting, you're exactly yes. whether there are lasting effects is or not. I suspect in at least one case, no. But um, one case, yes. One case, no. Um, matter of fact, I, after I, after I watched it, I was like, I started theorizing. It's like, wait, so clearly some of this was you know this and that and the other, which um, you know blah blah blah, trying to trying to make sense of it all because it was like this is crazy. Now, granted, Chainsaw Man has been crazy since the jump. So, <laughs> and it's only been kind of crazier um, uh, in the, what, seven episodes or whatever it is uh, that are out right now. So, yeah, show's great, but it's also, that joke was crazy. It's bonkers. <laughs> it's I was like, bonkers, I stopped, matter of fact, I, when the first, when it started jumping off, I was like, this is some Godfather shit. Oh, I mean, you know, but also, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like, I just sat there. I, I paused it. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and then it kind of just kept on going from there. I was like, man, but it's good. It's great. But also I was like, that's crazy. It's crazy. So uh, like I said, if you're not caught up on it, you know, get caught up on it. If you are so interested, but also man, beware of actual spoilers. But even though that funny might've been partially, Next up. All right. So we're transitioning over into manga news mm -hmm. in the print corner. Nice. And the reason why I chose that is because this story revolves around Dragon Ball Super, which is set to return with new chapters very soon. It's been in the middle of a hiatus for the last few months as the manga prepares for its next major story arc. And now the wait will soon be over as the series has officially set a return date for its next wave of chapters. So let's see when that is. <sighs> Looking for the date. It's in the second paragraph. 
Ah, here we go. I skipped past it, unfortunately. So uh, the manga has officially announced that the series will be coming back from hiatus with chapter 88 of the series on December 21st in Japan and on December 20th for the rest of the world. Most likely this will kick off the next major arc of the series. Okay. I still had caught up with the anime. I guess that'll be my next one. Um, Assassination Classroom creator is tired of Chainsaw Man inspired mangas. I'm not. I, I I also found it funny that you know this particular person is, is like that. I guess I kind of get it, but also like, has there actually been a rash of? I'm not surprised because sometimes when something popular happens, there it, there are like uh, manga slash anime that tends to happen. But um, yeah, the manga of Assassination Classroom noted uh, the influx of chain, Chainsaw Man inspired manga and has some thoughts and advice for up and coming manga creators. Uh, you say Matsui, uh, the writer and illustrator, illustrator of Assassin's Classroom and the elusive samurai was one of the judges at the latest jump new world manga manga, excuse me, award. Uh, and according to Shonen Jump News, the unofficial translation, he noted there are many quote human drama entries that showed signs of, uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto's influence, the mangaka of Chainsaw Man. While he commented that um, that what he saw showed in quote overall high level, he grew tired of them as it is an overwhelmingly large number, according to him. Apparently, uh, Matsui offered one piece of advice, not to be confused with the one piece of anime slash manga, of advice to future mangaka. They needed to carefully think about self production, how to stand out from the crowd, to own to hone their original uh, originality, quote unquote. So with, uh, according to this article with so many new manga series debuting weekly and weekly shonen jump and often getting abruptly cut in a few chapters, it's clear that the magazine is looking for something unique that will appeal to readers, but also you can kind of take that as well. Shonen jumps kind of also <laughs> kind of has a hand in that. I can almost guarantee you, if it's anything like the comic book uh, uh, industry, and it kind of sort of is, probably. Sometimes that tends to happen. <laughs> like you see this one thing catch on, and then you happen to see it happen somewhere else, or in the case of Marvel and the DCs, between each other, back and forth. Like, oh yeah, let's do this event, let's do that event, but it's slightly different. Anyway, next up. So this next story has some spoilers for the current run of My Hero Academia manga. I don't know if I actually read this particular uh, uh, release. I have to double check, but I remember the story leading up to this. You know, and, and a lot of times there's not a lot that happens in some of these uh, manga releases. Sometimes there is. But ultimately, there's a cliffhanger that teases uh, Professor, uh, uh, the, you know, one of the teachers of uh, the of um, UA, uh, Aizawa, uh, a racer head, being reunited with a former classmate who has um, undergone some serious changes since he and present Mike, his fellow classmate and fellow teacher, last encountered this character. And this is something that has been developing uh, over uh, the recent history of the manga and the latter part of the anime. So I'm not going to go into all the spoilers, but at the end of the day, that's what is going on. Gotcha. 
Uh, we are going to get into comic book news, and if you wouldn't be so uh, kind as to take this next one. DC reunites the world's finest in Superman's return to Earth. So Superman's return to Earth leads to a reunion between the world's finest for those who may not be keeping up with the Man of Steel. Clark Kent slash Cal L has been off Earth pursuing Mongol and his war world in action comics. This left John Kent free to take on the mantle of Superman on Earth. Both Superman, both Supermen, that is, have had to fight tough battles separately, but will soon be back together again as Kal El returns to Earth. Superman Returns Special Number One celebrates Superman's triumphant return with a collection of stories from an all-star list of creators, and one story features the world's finest duo of Batman and Superman. Okay. And I want to say, well, maybe not, because um, I was about to say that Nubia uh, special kind of also had the, the Trinity kind of pop up for a second, but I think that stuff that they, they, they alluded to might have been going over going on in the pages of Wonder Woman. So what I was about to say is uh, probably not true. Now, folks. Oh, I was uh, about to say the issue is on, on sale now. Yes, it is. It came out this week and neither one of us read it. Um, so now, folks, we are going to get into a nice little uh, uh, corner where Agent 70 is going to take a nap, I think. Because we're going to talk about some video game stuff in relation to comic books. <laughs> Okay. Um, and this is going to be a good stretch, so you, you'll love it. Well, it's video games and other stuff, but nevertheless. Uh, James Gunn says that the DCU's continuity includes video games. So, responding to a fan on Twitter who asked if Gunn was planning to give more DC characters TV shows that would connect to the DCU, uh, the co-CEO of DC Studios confirmed that everything will be connected. Which Wow, sounds kind of familiar, huh? Um... When another Twitter user asked if there were any plans for games to be connected to the DCU as well, Gunn simply responded, yes. Yeah, that's all we got of that. So, you know, <laughs> and, and what relation that, that will be, I, we, well, I guess we'll find out at some point somewhere down the line. Next up, Avatar Aang and Korra join Minecraft in new DLC. Uh, so yeah, Minecraft has joined forces with Avatar: The Last Bender for Bender for its recent collaboration, which reminds me of a, a DC collaboration that I meant to check out, um, um, but maybe soon. Uh, Minecraft's official Twitter announced uh, its uh, upcoming DLC titled Avatar Legends, including character skins for Aang, uh, Roku, Kyoshi, and Korra, and promotional art. Uh, the aforementioned figures are the previous uh, avatars of the respective air, fire, earth, and water elements. If, you know, there are some folks who probably don't know that, I guess. <laughs> it's unclear if Mo Yang's uh, collaboration with the Avatar franchise will include any other special content except for character skins. Because, yeah, the, the DC thing they did with them was like a whole world. So, um... There's no telling whether it's just going to be these uh, these character skins or not. But, cool. Uh, let's see. Next up, take a first look at Magic the Gathering's reskinned Secret Layer Transformers cards. So, I think we've already talked about previously that in the uh, current expansion, Brothers War, there are some Transformers card in there beyond... Um, I think in the in the series they're called the Beyond to some, some, some brother I can't remember, um, but they um, 
Yeah, Universes Beyond is the series. Excuse me. And there are Transformers cards in that set. And they're not a separate set. They're just in there. So if you, you know, so basically if you open up a booster pack and you happen to find some Transformers cards in there, that is not of a mistake. <laughs> uh, Secret Layer, which is basically a select uh, set of uh, side cards um, that they do way too frequently. And unfortunately, uh, I have bought a, a few sets of those. They're doing another set of Secret Layer uh, cards based off of those Transformers cards. Um, and they're going to be reskinned. Uh, and usually, you know, Secret Layer cards are pretty much come up for pre order. Um, and they're limited number, and uh, once um, once the time of the pre-order comes up, that's it. And then when they ship, they just go out to, to folks. Um, and a lot of times they are playable and standard. Uh, uh, in this case, I can't remember if the Universe Beyond cards are. I think they are. And for Commander in this case, but I don't play Commander, so I don't know. But nevertheless, like the cards are, are you can see... Um, images of the cards in the secret layer sets and they're going to be like four sets and they're going to be which this is also troubling to me personally but there's going to be like four sets and they're going to be um 30 bucks each for non-foiled and 40 bucks for foil copies um so yeah that's again kind of troubling in a couple of ways for for me um but people have been buying them so they're going to keep doing them and I'm probably going to end up buying some of those myself. So who am I kidding? Blade Runner RPG announces uh, December release date. Uh, so in a progress, Swedish publisher house publishing house, uh, free league has announced that it's upcoming Blade Runner tabletop RPG will land in mid December. Uh, says in a press release, the company shared that it will release Blade Runner, the role-playing game, on December 13th, meaning that fans can get their hands on the tabletop uh, title before Christmas. So, yeah, if you ever wanted to do some um, some some uh, role-playing uh, in, in the Blade Runner universe, here's an official way to do it, because there have been other ways to do it. Uh, let's see, the company also announced that the pr- prospective players who pre-ordered ahead of the fr- official release date could gain early access to a PDF of the game's rules and story. So you can kind of get ahead on it. Um, speaking of RPGs, uh, Marvel Multiverse our role-playing game rolls out new 1.3 game update. Uh, the newest updates are in, and the, the uh, role-playing game, which is still in playtest up until next, uh, next uh, June, uh, is ever changing. So the 1.3 updates are, are lined in this article. If you are interested in that, uh, some things have definitely changed. If you like, uh, me bought the initial, uh, physical copy of the book and some of the changes renders some of the things in the book, uh, useless as, uh, some other articles have said, which is true. Cause they basically changed some categories of skills and, and, and how things go. Uh, but that's how things like this happen, folks. You know, um, changes happen. I believe if you've gotten, if you also bought a digital version uh, somewhere, I believe those may be updated. And the um, the updates have also been um, put on their site, Marvel's site for the RPG. So you can kind of download the updated um, rules there. Uh, to go along with uh, things, so which I would probably recommend you do, 
if you are interested in the game. I already have and looked through some of that stuff. It's okay. Some notable changes, and but some smart right changes, I would dare say. Um, let's see. We still got a couple more. Go. Nope, that's it actually. Um, nope, that's I'm wrong. Um, one, two, three, four, five. Yep, I will let Agent 70 know when he can come back into play here. Um, Ant-Man, Funko Pops, uh, bring first... Now, granted, I could have pushed this one, but uh, Ant-Man 3, Funko Pops, bring first official look at MODOK in the MCU. So, it looks like there's also... This is from some Twitter site uh, that may or may not be on some shelves that are not here, but uh, apparently there's MODOK, Ant-Man, Wasp, and a Kang figure, or at least the, the back of the box picture of Kang and not an actual figure as opposed to the rest of these. Um, so yeah, that might be what the Kang figure looks like um, when it comes out. And now folks, Marvel Snap announces their next season of Power, the, the Power Cosmic. So this is the new season of Power Snap, the uh, the new card game, mobile card game that is out there that um, has had some measure of uh, popularity with some folks that even that that I know that even don't like uh, um, card stuff, which is kind of funny. But it's a fun game. You should check it out. I know Agent 70, if he were into the stuff, he would like the cap card, I think. Um, but yeah, so the next season uh, of the the game, this current season, is basically, I think, the Wakanda Forever season, where you can, if you bought the season pass, you can get a, <clears throat> a Black Panther um, card and, you know, uh, uh, boosters for other cards and other things on the on the on the battle pass um the power cosmic is going to feature a, a new shop um and also some some new cards including the civil surfer and a few other new locations and some other seasonal rewards there is a video attached to this article that kind of goes into all of that and if it's the video i'm thinking about is a very excited ben Brode, but then again that's just ben Brode who is the head of Second Dinner, the, uh, the developers of the card game. Uh, Marvel Snap nerfs some several uh, popular cards also. Um, Angela, Destroyer, Mysterio, and Sarah, because yes, this, I can safely say that some of the couple of those cards I've had experience in playing that game will mess you up or are pretty much OP. So they've all had their power levels reduced. This is not a, you know, not a outside of realm of possibility, I mean, of the things that happen in card games. So... <laughs> eight to seven is like oh come on uh so that the kind of thing happens and this is no surprise but hopefully they will they will change the meta if you're into that uh situation um because yeah some of that stuff kind of kind of bad whiz kids introduces new hero clicks uh wait actually if this is it then uh yeah eight to seven can come back in after this one actually um WizKids introduces new hero clicks, Iconics miniatures. Um, so this is a, basically a press release on, on the Marvel site from WizKids. Um, formerly announces hero clicks, Iconics, which is a new series of pre-painted miniatures designed to translate iconic moments and characters into collectibles that can fe- fully integrate into the hero clicks miniatures game. Uh, if you're watching the video, you can see the one with uh, from the X-Men animated series of Wolverine. <laughs> on the bed looking at a picture of I'm assuming Morph uh, f- from that 
Although that is no, it's supposed to be Gene and oh, that's uh, right. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. Scott. No. Wait, because I thought. Yes, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. But I did. I feel like he did have a picture of. <laughs> oh no, he. That's right. No, no, he had another picture of them, and he tore between the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Never mind. I th- uh, but no, I think he did have another uh, picture of Morph somewhere, though. But uh, yeah, you're right. Either way, um, is that a figure of that? You have a Spider-Man with the the pointing fingers, which I guess if you can get two of, you know, to do the the whole meme thing, and some uh, Iron Man figures, including what looks to be is that a Hulkbuster? I don't know what that one is in the middle. It looks like a Hulkbuster as Nimrod or something. That's kind of funny. Uh, regardless, wait, uh, which one? The one if you're watching, if you're looking at the uh, thing, the one that looks like a Hulkbuster, but kind of uh, on the left, like second no, from the, the one left? in the middle. The one in the middle. Oh no, that's that's a Hulkbuster. It's just uh, yeah, it kind of looks like a Mandroid, but yeah, right. that's a Hulkbuster. Yeah, it's like a so, comic style Hulkbuster. Right. So. um... But yeah, so there's the there are those. Um the first release will roll out in spring twenty twenty three. Um if you're into hero clicks, and I'm pretty sure some folks are. Next up. A new Marvel Funko Pop offers a first look at how Modoc will appear in Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Wait, shared no, on no, Twitter no, no, by No, I already did that one. I already did that one. Oh, you Give did? I, that's what I thought. I heard it. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm like, wait a second, why is this all the way down here? No, no, no. The Marvels, I see it merch. I yeah. know, which is, but the, my point is, like, you have it all the way down here, and I'm like, wait a second, I thought you read this one already. Wait, do I? Uh, did you move it, and I just need to click refresh on my sheet? Uh, I don't know. To... Oh, Line yeah, might four, have. four. No, no, I think I did move it. So yeah, okay. Yeah, no, you're, you're good. Keep going. Marvel. I just hadn't refreshed my sheet. The no, Marvel's no, merch debuts Monica Rambeau's first proper superhero costume. The first merchandise for the Marvels has revealed Monica Rambeau's comic-inspired superhero suit. Where is my superhero suit? A Marvel Cinematic Universe fan recently shared an image on Reddit from Instagram user UmPortalGeek of a new The Marvel-themed pillow that shows Monica Rambeau, played by Tiana Paris, decked out in an official super suit that is reminiscent of the one that she wears in the comics as Spectrum. The pillow also offers fans a new look at Brie Larson and Amon Vellani's new costumes in the Marvels. Okay. So if that's the pillow, that... I don't know, maybe it's just me. That doesn't look like Amon Vellani. I'm pulling it up now. But, um, but yeah, the, the, the suit that... Um, the, the suit that um, Monica Rambeau has on is kind of also reminiscent of the, what we saw her in at the end of, or at least. Yeah, it kind of doesn't look like her. Yeah. <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> oh, God. Let me stop. <laughs> anyway, uh, Marvel fans can buy Peter Parker's shirt from the 90s uh, Spider-Man animated series. I saw this was funny. Um, the Disney store r- describes the Spider-Man polo as a hundred percent cotton long sleeves, uh, brushed heavy Jersey with three button placket woven, um, Marvel local tag on the side and embroidered Spider-Man face patch on the chest. It could have done without the chest, without the, the logo on the, on the chest, but uh, I see what they were going for there. But yeah, it is basically a replica 
of uh, Peter's shirt from the 90s uh, Spider-Man show, which that's pretty funny. Uh, it says here that uh, da, 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 well, this, that's a it's fifty bucks for it if you are so inclined. Next up, the private comic collection of Spider-Man co-creator Steve Ditko is being auctioned off. PBA Comics, a division of PBA Galleries, has announced its quote the Spidey sale unquote auction being held on December eighth next week, featuring Ditko's personal comics that have never been publicly publicly sold before. The collection includes some high-value issues for Spider-Man fans and collectors, such as the character's first comic appearance and the debut issue of his solo title, The Amazing Spider-Man. Each book auctioned off comes with a certificate of authenticity signed by Ditko's brother, Patrick Ditko, and has been certified by the CGC as from the collection of Steve Ditko. Wow. Right. Yeah, that's a, I'm sure there would be some a lot of interest in, in that. Yeah, that and... Yes. Uh, and speaking of the sad news uh, of having to deal with that last uh, sound effect, uh, there's a, a GoFundMe launched for Peter David um, amid health problems. It says here that the friends and family of Peter David have launched a GoFundMe to help raise funds for ongoing medical costs. Uh, over the weekend, um, a GoFundMe for David appeared online, revealing the legendary comic creator is going uh, is undergoing health setbacks that put him in the hospital. Uh, according to the campaign's page, David suffered from a series of strokes and a mild heart attack amid existing kidney failure prob- uh, problems. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, Monday, his wife Kathleen wrote that David is being was being monitored at hospital to assess any. Further potential damage, uh, and there is a link to updates and the uh, funding page uh, on this article in the show notes. So, it's it's always sad news when we hear about stuff like this, and unfortunately, you you wish come creators had um, a, a more stable way to have um, medical funding. You know. But uh, that is unfortunately how the, that is uh, against the nature of the business. Yeah, I don't know if he is of the right age to receive Medicare yet. That's the problem. Mm. You know, I, I think he is, but at the end of the day, Medicare doesn't cover everything. It only covers 80%. I was about to say, so, it might be, yeah, and depending on how long this has been going on, you know, has he been, if he's already on it, it'd be, it was already on Medicare, it'd be the, another thing also. But if he wasn't on uh, medical before this, they definitely, you know, would probably not cover. Well, it all depends. Like I said, it all depends on how old he is. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, like, so I'm in agreement with you. Um, so, which yeah, ultimately, you know, ultimately it sucks because our healthcare system in the United States is very broken, folks. Yeah, it is. Actually, I'm, uh, he is 66 years old. Right, so, so yeah. even with even with Medicare, there's out of pocket expenses. Like I said, that's the twenty percent mm. that's not covered. And right. if he's not, if he's making too much for Medicaid, which is likely, then he, you know, depending on what state he lives in, then at the end of the day, um, he's he's going to have to foot a lot of that bill. You know, if the insurance won't cover it. Right, it's a it's a whole mess. The, the U.S. is, uh, like Agent Sam said, the U.S. is a medical. Uh, it's an industry. It's it's all fucked up. Yeah. Anyway. I- Next up, uh, waiting for this article to load. Sorry. Uh, John Ridley's Black Panther teams with Namor 
or Namor to fight the Avengers. Uh, two, these two bitter rivals are about to join forces within the pages of John Ridley's Black Panther in the upcoming issue number 13 of Black Panther. Uh, let's see. Uh, T'Challa ends up doing battle with Earth's mightiest heroes themselves. And the issue's original solicitations teased an unexpected ally arriving to fight at T'Challa's side. Marvel has now released artist Miguel Mercado's spoiler variant cover for Black Panther number 13, as well as an extended synopsis revealing that said ally, said ally is none other than Namor the Submariner. Or the way everyone wants to pronounce things differently now, in Namor the Submariner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the submariner uh, thing has been forever. You know that, but yeah, that's 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 always been that one's always been ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Let folks. me go ahead and tell I'm you sorry. why I don't like this. <laughs> 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 and that is apparent if it, that would be easily apparent if you have been with this show for any length of time. Uh, once upon a time, back right before. Um, Secret Wars, Hickman's Secret Wars. These two were pretty much bitter enemies for several reasons, uh, concluding in the fact that basically uh, T'Challa did a, I did this to you, to to to, uh, to Namor. Um, well, it started with AVX. It did start with AVX, yes. But right. the, it but started it, with AVX, but you know the rivalry was building even before that. But then right. it built to a crescendo in Secret Wars. Right, but that's what I'm saying. It was or in the lead up to Secret Wars. I mean, right, right. So the fact that, and I'm sure there's, as far as I know, there's still some animosity there. Giving that may, I'm trying to remember, has they had any screen time in the Avengers? Not screen time. Any any panel time in the the Avengers in Aaron's and, Avengers, yeah, yeah, I felt like they did definitely, definitely, yeah. You know, they've they've they they've, they've they have not poo pooed it, let's just say they have not come to blows, right? But they have not poo pooed it, right? There's there's still some things there, lingering, you know, lingering things there. So the fact that this is happening, which I'm sure there is a it's a possibly a begrudging team up or or, or alliance, but still, I don't like this, <laughs> I don't like this, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So, but I'm still read it. So we'll we'll see what happens. <sighs> also, I feel like there's a, some not quite, but slight MCUification going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the other reason why I don't like it. So, anyway, next up, um, Marvel officially names the richest character in the entire multiverse. It's Normal Osborn. Let's move on. And this is, a, this is apparently a spoiler for um, Avengers Forever uh, number 11. Yep. So, next up. Right, so this is a preview for t- this week's um, Avengers oh, yeah. Assemble number, uh, Avengers Assemble Alpha number one, one shot. And at the end of the day, this preview has, you know, the, the groups of Avengers that are coming together to fight the multiversal uh, Masters of Evil. Yeah, actually, I meant to take that one out since we had, you were talking about it, but it is what it is. Hey, previews still are going to be in the show notes if you're interested in reading that. Um, but next up, Marvel announces a Hellcat series. So, Patsy Walker is headlining a new Hellcat Marvel series, um, of which we have just recently seen her in uh, Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man run, uh, who was being proposed to by Tony Stark, which she, as far as we know, didn't take. Um... 
which I guess is the second time in Marvel history that, that, that such a thing has happened. <laughs> Except, well, actually, no, because they were actually getting married. I was thinking of uh, Kitty Pride and Colossus, but they were actually getting married, and she was like, nope. So they didn't even get that far with this one. Regardless, um, it says here that just because that the, they never walked down the matrimony aisle doesn't mean that Cantwell doesn't have more Hellcat stories to tell. The writer will team up with uh, artist Alex Lenz, of New Mutants, uh, Moon Knight, Blood, uh, Black, White, and Blood for a five-issue Hellcat miniseries that finds Patsy Walker framed for murder, murder, in which she, in turn, must uh, investigate to clear her name. I was kind of wondering if it had anything to do with that annual, because we know when we let the last saw her from that annual, like she was still kind of dealing with some stuff in San Francisco, but I guess not. But this article also mentions said annual. Um, with that, so look forward to that. Does it have a date? Yes, March fifteenth, twenty twenty three. And there's a, a cover for folks. Next up, last but not least, in celebration of a diamond anniversary for Doctor Who, Big Finish marks sixty years of Doctor Who with a mammoth eight part full cast audio drama series beginning in May 2023. So let's see here. Uh, It's going to be titled Doctor Who Once in Future and stars Tom Baker, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann, Christopher Eccleston, and David Tennant with dozens more guest casts still to be revealed. The series will be released monthly with the first seven parts materializing between May and October 2023 and a final Coda episode in November 2024. Wow, a year later. Mm. That's cool. And that's a lot of doctors they have (laughs) lined up. All of those names are, are former doctors. Okay, I was gonna say I didn't recognize most of them until I got to Eccleston and Tennant. So right, and I think yeah, 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 yeah. And Tennant is actually the current doctor at the at the moment until next year. So that's also you know sure, but yeah, um, that's cool. Uh, I've never checked out any of those, but I kind of want to check out uh, some of those. And that, right, folks, you pay, I was gonna say you have to pay for this. Though. Yes, you do. Um, right, you can pay for the download. Yeah, and this uh, in British bucks. But I'm sure there's there's a way to. Uh, there, there, I'm sure there's an easy conversion out there. Yes, they already. I'm sure the site already has that taken care of. So because um, mm-hmm. they know, <laughs> they know, the Hoovians are are rabid, uh, and not just British. Ooh. So exactly. And that folks is uh, the end of the news section. We got one last end read. Our last ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. Uh, I have the Chainsaw Man opening theme in my head and I can't get it out. 
right, folks, that is the end of the show. This was a good long one because of well, a lot of because a lot of things, but that trailer news. Yeah, was, I was gonna say that trailer news dropped today, so we yeah, had to talk about. Absolutely. So you were not want for content. Um, and with that, folks, I have been Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need of Twitter. You can find and Hive on at uh, Ryder Cat. By the way, I guess that's still a thing. Uh, and uh, CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com. And, I mean, yes, popculturenetwork.com and all those umbrella sites therein. And Tim, D O G G 9 8 on Twitter, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account, uh, The Click Nation on Twitter, that's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N, and TheClickNation.com. Uh, but also you can find him over at ComicBook.com where he's writing his face off. Uh, you can find uh, this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. Oh, I forgot. Um, Comic Book Chronicles is also on Hive at uh, Comic Book Cron. I forgot to mention that earlier. So, uh, you can also find us on your podcast, Perusal Place of Choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and give us all the five star reviews. And you can also find this recording every Thursday night, normally 9.30-ish Eastern Standard Time um, on the the YouTube... Wow, I had a mess up. Oof, excuse me. YouTube.com slash TheClickNation uh, and uh, Twitch.tv slash ComicBookChronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and make sure to hit the notification button so you know when we are online. And speaking of Twitch, actually, before we go, um, Marvel's Midnight Suns video game is coming out. Actually, technically, in, in places, it's already out as of this recording. Uh, if you're re- getting this after the fact, obviously, it will be out. Uh, it releases the, the December the 2nd. So by the time you hear this, I, or if you're here um, live, I will possibly be... Uh, playing streaming the game on Twitch uh, when after it releases, possibly either Friday and or Saturday, um, depending on when I can get it downloaded and, and set up. So if you are watching the video version and want to see that, uh, and hear good things about it, you can come check that out. You can definitely check it out after fact because the file will be up. But um, yeah, you, you uh, watch me play a video game terribly. But uh, we'll have some fun. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Combo Chronicles. But some of you already knew that because you're here. And with that, folks, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. Oh, my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn.